do 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 do. <clears throat> I'm here with confirmed cosmonaut Steve O, <laughs> yeah, a dude. man who's been to space, a man who knows about the atmosphere. I can't say I've been to space. I, I went up in a Russian MiG fighter jet to the edge of the Earth's atmosphere. How uh, high was that? Do you know? Oh, I fucking forget shit. I fucking forget. But it wasn't that much higher than, than you know. So a normal flight is like, what, 30,000? 30, and then what's well, like, I, I've heard they go, they go higher, right? They can go up to like 35,000 for a commercial flight? I want to say that, 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 I, that it might have been like not much more than 50,000, but I, I, I can't back that up. I don't remember. But it, it, was, it was shockingly less than you would imagine. Oh, that's you. Oh, yeah, there wow. I you am, made a video dude. of it? Uh-huh. Does it yeah, show it was, it was that it for goes... Wild Boys. Oh, no shit. Oh, yeah, my God. They, they... Look, it's going straight up. <laughs> right, they, they, oh, my God. They used a lot of, uh, they used a lot of um, stock footage, but at the same time, on the way down, this motherfucker did twirls and fuck. It was, it was the, like the gnarliest roller coaster ride ever. Ah, uh, and like, I, and this is me filming myself. Like, look at that, dude. Oh, my God. It's like, it's fucking night up there. Wow, that's incredible. That, dude, that shows for anybody who wants to say that the fucking world is flat. That's fucking proof, motherfuckers. Well, you can see the curvature of the earth. Wow, yeah. that's nuts. And so when you were doing this, um, did, did you get close, close to blacking out? Like, how was the G-force? No. Um, I didn't get close to blacking out or anything like that. And uh, I, I thought that, that it would be... One thing, what, what it was, was I was just fucking claustrophobic, man. It was in, cramped in ah. a tiny little, I get claustrophobic, dude. I didn't like that. Did you, uh, do you, did they tell you how many G-forces you were doing? Ah, that's another thing I can't remember. But uh, I feel like there was more G shit going on when we did the, uh, the zero gravity plane. Which, oh, okay. Which, uh, you know, it just kind of goes along and then it does a big bell curve kind of deal. So you, you become weightless. Right. And, uh. That one, you could feel yourself really, like, being pulled down with the Gs or whatever. I did a flight with the FA-18 with the Blue Angels once. Uh, they took me up, and they, they take you out. It's, you go down to San Diego, and then you travel east, like, through the desert. It's weird. and I, I don't know which Air Force base is out there. But it's, like, real close to, I guess, close to Arizona or maybe even in Arizona. But uh, we got to 7.5 Gs. We were doing these crazy things where you, you go like through these mountain ranges and you're only like 100, maybe 200 feet off the ground, really low to the ground, like <laughs> turning and twisting and fucking bananas. Dude. Yeah, dude. So they took you up in Wild Boys? And what year was this? It was okay. We were cool with the Russians then. Right. That was 2005. Yeah, 2005. That was yeah. our last ever Wild Boys trip. Oh, yeah? Yeah. And uh, we brought Knoxville with us. Knoxville, we had some uh, like Russian army kind of de dudes, and and the, the Knoxville was like, shoot me with the nine millimeter gun with the rubber bullet while the dog bites me. What? <laughs> yeah, it was, he was he was going for it, and 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 uh, our director Jeff Tremaine was like, hey, if you still have this in you, why don't we not do it for TV? Let's make another movie, and that was why. We stopped doing Wild Boys and made Jackass number two. If you still have this in you, oh, oh my you still God. want to get it beaten dude, out with rubber bullets. We do. We a lot of shit happened on that fucking that last Wild Boys trip, man. There was a, we always we had this practice of like um, 
for the censors, you know, like it's called standards and practices. They'll be like, you know, they'll give back notes like you can't, you know, show this. And so we would film what we call red herrings, like just blatantly ridiculous shit. It's right. never allowed, never going to be allowed on TV. But then we'll be like, okay, well, we'll cut this out. And so then we'll be able to keep some other shit. Right. So we would always go out of our way to film this fucked up stuff. And in Russia, we, um, me and one of the guys from the, from the crew, Put, put like put on these animal suits. The uh, um, what was it at the time? It wasn't panda bears. It was polar bears, with a big fucking like mascot head. And we fucking hired two hookers and had full on fucking hookers came in, like full porno. We filled full fuck full fucking porno, and we included we included that in the episode, you know. And the notes came back from standards and practices like can you, like please like um. That you have to take out the, you know, the cock sucking. The, 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 yeah, the po- polar bear getting his dick sucked, like the the whole thing. And uh, <laughs> yeah, and and there was there was a little bit of fucking hooker action in that one, you know. And I'm not necessarily that stoked about it, but um, there was uh, we went to we went to like a, a whorehouse, brought this um, hooker back to the hotel, right? Did like a whole thing. And then in 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 the and, and and I don't think I ever could even have sex with a with a hooker, without like snuggling after. I want to like snuggle, snuggle <laughs> and snuggle, you know. I'm like, oh no, just stay with me. I want to like right. you know cuddle and stuff. And in the morning, this this hooker, um, she just t- tells me like how much how much I owe her. Right. And I'm like, that's fucking outrageous. There's no fucking way. I was like, I was like, basically, I don't care if you're a fucking pimp wants to kick my ass and fucking kill me, I'm not paying that fucking much. <laughs> was know? that much? How much was it? I, I forget. It was so long ago. But, uh, but yeah, I was outraged. So I was, was I it was negotiated out, was, beforehand? It, 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 just, it just wasn't in that case. Because I, I, I remember clearly, I was like, you, you want that much? And I said, I said, I'll give you this much, and that's how much you get. Whoa. Period. And, we, and, we, and we, we, we came out, right? Like, uh, you know, I got to go film. And uh, walking through... Uh, the the lobby Knoxville's down there having breakfast. This hooker comes walking by Knoxville and she says, "That's not Stevo, that's Cheapo." Oh, <laughs> oh, oh, oh. <laughs> yeah. Oh. And, and I mean, I was never even that much into like hookers, but um, but but you know, in in looking back on it, I guess I I really fucking kind of had sex with a bunch of hookers because um. I had this girlfriend, and um, you know, like I work a, like a program of recovery. I got to be honest and shit. And I had this girlfriend. She was an English chick, and she says, um, "Have you ever had sex with a prostitute?" And I'm like, "Oh fuck," you know. And I, right. I tell her, uh, I tell her, well, like you know, I, I I never did until I was in in, in England one time, and uh, you know, this is, we did this gumball rally where you race cars with all the rich guys, and. Uh, you know, they're getting hookers and they, they, they got me one. And, you know, I brought her to the hotel. I told her the whole story about how I was like, can you give me a massage? And she's giving me a back rub. And this hooker says, this is one expensive back rub. And I felt like she was making fun of me. And I said, oh, fuck it. And I put on some Molly crew and put on a rubber and I humped her. Okay. You know, I told this story to my girlfriend. She says, I said, okay, what, uh, did you, uh, was, was there any other ones? And I'm like, oh, fuck. You know, I'm like, well, in New Zealand, you know, like, there was a massage parlor, and it turned out that that they just have sex with you, you know. Like, and and it's a joke, I, you know. It's like I didn't, I've, like I, I felt like I was having sex with a prostitute, but she was a masseuse. <laughs> you know, 
like she said it's not another one and i'm like wow well, there's a time in indonesia <laughs> oh no so it just kept rolling off yeah and the thing was that at that exact time we were she like she arranged this trip to go to cornwall uh it's this little surf town in england because i like collect pictures with uh you know, of like different countries where, you know, and I call it my surf passport. And I'm like, I, I want to get a surfing photo so I can include England. And she's like, she says, I don't know why you're making a surf passport. You should have a fucking hooker passport. <laughs> <laughs> it's so funny too. Like uh, driving over here, I was, I was like thinking, man, fuck, I'm so nervous about going on, on, you know joe rogan's podcast because how can i touch the last time it was so epic like there's never been another interview that i've ever done that has got that i've gotten more feedback like people just being like dude i fucking heard that like people were like inspired people who are struggling with uh, substance abuse and they're like man like that helped me helped me get sober like just like me and howard stern like you name it any interview i've ever done in my life like it has this has been the one that I that I hear about the most and that I get the most positive feedback. I'm fucking grateful to you for that, man. Well, I'm grateful for you coming on. You can't compare yourself to yourself, though. Don't ever do that. Hey, I get that. It'll but fuck you over. It'll get you every time. I get that. <laughs> I know. I saw that like on Jim Jeffries. Uh, the, the Jim Jeffrey does. I think he even did that on his on his special. He's like, oh, this special isn't as good as my last special. He said that on this special. Oh, you can't do that. <laughs> right, but that's the thing. Like, I'm not gonna do that too much. But gotta but, be in the moment. Right, in the moment, Steve. Thank you for that, Joe. You're an in the moment guy. I'm pretty pretty good about that. But but I should say I'm not gonna like get in my head and I'm not gonna trip myself out. But I did want to come in hot, so I just fucking came out with the hooker stories. That's good move. <laughs> so it's, you're going from edge of space to Earth isn't flat. Oh, dude. And, and Chris Pony is my my wild boys co-star guy. I remember at one point saying. Uh, Something to the effect of like, ah, uh, oh, you know, like uh, I'm an astronaut, you know, I, and and Pontius fucking nailed me so hard. It was so fucking funny. He says, he says, uh, you're not not a virgin because you go to the edge of the girl's vagina. <laughs> <laughs> Good point. <laughs> right. You kind of have to cross the, the goal line. What was more dangerous, doing jackass or doing wild boys? Ah, uh, dude, it had to be wild boys. That's what I A thousand times over, man. Because yeah. I watch jackass and I go, wow, these guys are so crazy. But I watch wild boys and literally my asshole just tightens oh, up. Dude. My toes curl. I start clenching my hands together. I can't do I don't know how the fuck you guys did it and got away with it. Right, there's no question, man. Like uh, fucking lions, tigers, bears, venomous reptiles. Yeah, when that lion climbed a tree and bit your fucking hat. Here's the thing, <laughs> right? And here's the thing, and, and, and there is a distinction about this. Um, jackass would completely fade. There, there's so much integrity in jackass. Knoxville like, would not like uh, ever. People say, is, is the stuff you do real? Fuck yeah, it's real, 100%. And, and with Wild Boys, there's no... Uh, I mean, you, you, what you see is it happened, but what we were dishonest about with Wild Boys is like locations. We would pretend that we were in in Africa when really they had this fucking, uh, in California there's a company called like uh, Hollywood Animals, right? Where they've got like, uh, 
you know, whatever. They've got the fucking lions and the tigers and shit. Now, when we went over to Africa the first time, we brought the zebra suit. Every intention of being on safari, playing around in front of lions. But oh. that just wasn't in the cards. They're like, no, that's not going to happen. Oh, my God. So they kill you. Yeah, we found, we found this great whole thing going through the safari in the two-man zebra suit. But, but the only way we could get the end was to come back to California. Oh. And I remember Jay Leno fucking call, called us out. The first time we went on the Jay Leno show to promote Wild Boys, he says, you know, I watched... He came to the dressing room, you know, he says, I watched that, uh, that um, lion clip with the, the two-man zebra suit. And I'm thinking, hmm, you know, I've never seen gravel like that, you know, in Africa, <laughs> you know, on the ground. And he says, the way that the lion went for the zebra head, the, 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 the he said, no part of that, no, no part of that lion wants that fake zebra head. You know, it just doesn't make sense. And, uh, and he was so right. He nailed it 100%. He's like, I'm guessing what, what they did was they rubbed some kind of shit on the zebra head to attract the lion to it. And he just broke it down. You know, I, I, the last thing I want to do is be a fucking fan of Jay Leno, but he didn't break it down. <laughs> Jay Leno's a good guy. Okay. Uh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> he is, I'm telling you, man. He just seems weird because he did The Tonight Show for so long. He, uh, okay. And I'm not trying to, like, just piggyback on Howard Stern being a Stern fan, but uh, I don't know. I, I got a weird vibe my, myself from, from Jay Leno, but, I, but I'll take a word for it. And, what, and he, what impressed, weird... he impressed the shit out of me with that calling out that line bit. What weird vibe did you get from him? I don't know. Like, uh, I just felt like for all the times that we were guests or, or that I was on his show, I just felt like, uh, yeah, I, I don't know, is it, yeah, I think it's fair to say I felt like maybe a little bit talked down to in a way. Mm. I felt like sort of, I, like, I, like the impression that I got was that whoever booked us on the show wasn't him and that he was sort of like under protest. Like, you know, maybe I'm just a sensitive Well, he was guy. sort of under protest for almost everything that was on his <laughs> show. Right. I mean, it was really a mess. Look, Jay Leno started out as one of the top stand-up comics of in the course. world. He was a fucking killer. He was a young guy who would go on Letterman, and he was edgy. And this is like, you know, 1970s or early uh -huh. 1980s, whatever. And then he got the Tonight Show. And when he got the Tonight Show, he became a Tonight Show host. And he never put out, He does still to this day, doesn't put out any stand-up. You, you can't see it anywhere other than like yeah, the Tonight yeah, he Show monologues. He does it every week, but he does the same act. Oh, shit. Yeah, he doesn't change his shit. Fuck. It's, it's real weird. He's a weird guy. But what his real, I mean, he's still a great comic, but his real passion is cars. Like if you're a car guy and you go over to his place, you, you get to see the real Jay Leno. And you're uh, like, oh, you right. should have been doing, like I did his show to uh, Jay Leno's Garage. And I was like, you uh -huh. should have been doing this the whole time. Why did you even fuck with the Tonight Show? Like you're a, you're a fucking monster when it comes to cars. He's right. fun. He's loose. He uh -huh. knows everything about cars. You get to see the real him. He lights up. I remember we were promoting uh, Jackass 3D on the Tonight Show. Went over there and we did the T-ball thing, right? Like where it's like a T-ball, but it's got an arm and you hit it and then it swings right. over and hits me in the nuts. <laughs> and and we did it. 
I think it was like during rehearsal or something. We did it like during rehearsal, fully hit me in the nuts <laughs> during rehearsal. And and I wanted to demonstrate that I wasn't wearing a cup. Right. Right. And I had these tidy whities on and I, and I fucking pulled down my tidy whities to show it was just my dick, right. which I didn't really need to do. I mean, you showed Jay Leno your dick? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's part of the problem. He's so old school. Right. And, yeah. and, and, and uh, that's part of the problem. <laughs> You know what you mean? I see it clearly now. And he said, it, he's, he, he goes, it looks like a dick, just a lot smaller. Right, but that was just part of, uh, I don't know, that was just part of where I got that vibe from him. But dude, I, the last thing, I, I don't want to fucking. I know what you mean, I know what you mean. And then there was a, the, all that not, dispute with him and Howard Stern. Sure. About, because like, what was it going on? Like writers were taking bits from Stern and doing it on. Right, I can't even remember it. Just Howard so... This yeah, Howard always hated him. But Howard hated Johnny Carson too. Right. Yeah. Well, you know what, man? That's one of those things where a lot of those guys, you know, especially like if you have a platform like Howard and you feel dissed by some guy who's got another platform, like, well, right. fuck this guy. Time to go to war. Because sure. Howard's whole thing was about conflict. Conflict is sure. ratings. He was the king of ratings. Right. You know? With with Jay Leno and Howard, it was personal. With with Howard and Carson, I think it was just Howard had the impression that Carson was a bad dude. Hmm, I don't know. I think he had a personal thing with him, too. Yeah. Maybe I'm just making that up. I don't right. know. But I'm telling you, man, I, I knew Jay from The Tonight Show. I knew Jay from when I was on NBC. I've seen him on here with you, too. Dude, he was great on here. Yeah. The, the stories about like doing stand-up for the mob shows like <laughs> and, and seeing some psychopath mob guy yell right. at a priest. Dude, they were great fucking All stories. Right. Well, hey, dude, like, um, I, I fucking, I recant anything negative <laughs> I said about Jay Leno. <laughs> I mean, and plus, I should say I'm fucking grateful to Jay Leno because he had me on the right. Gun. Yeah, I never, I was never on Letterman. No. Yeah, well, because that was the thing too with those dudes. If you did one, you couldn't do the other. Right. <clears throat> Unless you're like, you know, someone who's like a, a humongous star. <sighs> yeah, those shows suck. They really do. They're just, I mean, not, and no, no disrespect to them, but th those five minute things where you sit on the couch and you cut to the next thing, it's just, right. it's just a shitty way to get to know somebody. And it's gone downhill from there because all anybody gives a fuck about is what's going to, you know, take off on the internet the next day. Exactly. And exactly. so they're not even, they're not even focused on anything except some fucking gimmick that's going to. Some highlight reel clip. Right. Yeah. Yeah, did you see the the Colbert thing where he went off on uh, I Trump? I couldn't <laughs> fucking believe it. I was watching it. And I was like, I and I, I tweeted about this that I don't think kids today have any idea how strange it is to watch a talk show host call the president's mouth a cock holster. Okay. <laughs> it's just like what? That's right. He's talking about the president. I mean, I know it's Donald Trump, but it's still the president. There's, there's it's a so lot, weird. There's a lot of weird stuff going on. And then, did you see Colbert? <laughs> uh, Colbert responding to yes, to Trump's response. How did that made me uncomfortable? Why? Well, you know, and I'm sure people don't want to even hear about this. No, but please do. It made me uncomfortable. Where he's like, hmm, I, I won, and you know, like, right. I mean, it's, it's, it's again, it's just playing into, you know. What, what can I, I don't Well, they're know. playing on, well, if, what he said was he got Trump to respond. He was trying to get, he was trying to get the president to say his name for so long, and he finally did, and it was, right. I, I don't know. Well, what know. he said was that I thought you, of all the things that I thought you were dumb about, the one thing that I thought you knew about was show business. I thought right. you understood show business. Right. So, like, I was trying to get you to respond, and you did, so I win. Right. Which mm -hmm. is just... Okay, so now the president, then this is even weird, because weirder, because now the president is responding to a guy who's essentially saying that he's a fucking troll. 
I mean, Stephen Colbert, multimillionaire, talk show host on a major network, took over the Letterman spot, is now admitting that he's essentially like a guy on Twitter that has a, <laughs> a fucking egg icon. I think that that might, been, that might have been what made me feel uncomfortable. Yeah. You know, well, I it's just low level. It's yeah, super, yeah. super low level. The whole thing was low level. And, and, and uh, it wasn't... Like all the stuff that Trump was saying about how they were going to take him off and they were going to, you know, the, the guy Corden who came after, they were going to put James Corden into Colbert's time slot. Uh -huh. Like, I mean, all the reports I saw were that they were trying to get Colbert the fuck out. And then all of a sudden he started slamming Trump and now he's not, like number one out of everybody in late night. Well, that's how it goes in that stupid fucking business. They just have to get people to pay attention to him. And sometimes that's the way to do it. I mean, maybe Colbert just got desperado. But it's the whole the whole thing is so fucking strange. Like Colbert's strange, man. He's a like a hardcore Catholic. Oh yeah. Hardcore, which is even weirder that he's calling the president's mouth a cock holster if he's a hardcore <laughs> Catholic. It's like right. wh where do your where do your standards lie? Like where do you uh where do you draw that line? Right. Because that's like, not uh, very Catholic of you. It's it's like the guy from Megadeth, the the lead singer of Megadeth became like a super hardcore Christian. Really? And now won't sing some of his songs. Yeah. Get the fuck out of here. No. No yeah, way. I swear. And he oh, won't, my God. And, and, he, and he won't perform with some certain death metal bands. On the, on the, oh, oh, my God. Come on. Right. Yeah. Oh, it's fucking, God. It's fantastic. Man, there's something happens. I don't know if you notice this, but something happens that I've been noticing as, you know, I'm almost 50. I'll be 50 in August. Dude, bless your heart. Bless your heart. I'll be I'll be forty three next month. Dude, it just creeps up on you. Dude, time moves faster as it goes by. If well, you know what it is, is like your reference to time is different because when you're six, a year is a sixth of your life. Okay. When you're forty nine, it's like another year. It's like tick 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 tick. Also you're busy as fuck, so the days keep moving quick. Your reference of time. I think it also fucking goes by faster. It too. seems like it goes by faster. Right. You, you have more of them to think about. I had a bit that I was working on for the long time. I, I don't know if I'm going to resurrect it, but the premise is that God must hate us. <laughs> <laughs> That's the premise? Yeah. yeah. Why? If, well, because, if he hates you, you'd be dead. Well, well no. No. You'd, you'd be suffering. Think about it. You're living life as Steve-O. How could God hate, God hate you? He loves you. Right, right. Well, I mean, it's it's, it's fucking comedy, right? I mean, right. But, but, the, but the premise. It's got to make sense, though, right? Sure, and and I back it up, dude. I back it up. I bet you do. Um, uh, okay, now we're the only living organism, right, that can like watch and have an opinion of itself wilting. Mm. You know, right? Ooh, that's a good point. It's a fucking really good point. You yeah. know, a fucking banana is not looking in the mirror saying, "Oh fuck, I'm bruising." Right. <laughs> you know, this sucks. Right. Like I don't look as good as I did. Fucking, you know, I'm going rotten. Well, what's really weird is when you watch, do you watch videos of yourself from like a long time ago and you see how different you look? Yes, but I think of, 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 of a lot of people, I, I look pretty fucking, I, I look less look different. Well, thank you. I look less different than other people. And now I get like super sensitive about like, you know, if I post a picture online, like, motherfuckers old, you know, like, <laughs> you know, I like that shit affect the, the does negative, it? it affects me. Like, I wish it didn't, but it does. I mean, I'm a fucking sensitive guy. So motherfuckers old. But now I got a project. <laughs> Now I got a, a a project that I'm working on where where I'm digging up like old ass footage and I'm looking at it and I'm thinking I don't look that much fucking different. Fuck all these people, you know. Mm, maybe you're delusional. I mean, I look younger for sure, but I don't I don't like you know like uh, 
There was, there was a, I don't know, like, I, I Well, you've kept your body in a reasonable shape. You're in good right. shape. You're healthy. The real issue is when people balloon. Right. Like, I, I looked at Kathleen Turner. Do you remember Kathleen she Turner? She went to my high school in London, England. Dude, she was so hot when she was young, and now she's like, right. like she's got that alcoholic face, you uh -huh. know, where, where people don't just get older, but everything sort of balloons and... You know your your cheeks balloon and your chin balloons. <clears throat> sure, it's all swelling and it's crazy too. Like I went to high school all four years in London, England, at the American School in London, England, and there's only it's called I, the American School. It's called the American School in London, England. That's huh. why I don't have an accent because everyone was just American at the school and everyone. Oh, really? So it was actually everyone at the school was American. Right, and that, yeah. In, in England, they have like different fucking kind of high school. It's like a, it's not grades. It's like forms. You graduate and when you're 16 it's all different curriculum but this huh. is in england in london and you take sats you have like american, so it's just like american it's an american school in london yeah your folks were living in england um folks correct yeah i grew up in five different countries did you really yeah i was born in england and uh when i was six months old moved to brazil my family moved to brazil it's like it's, it's no one would ever fucking guess this but my dad was like a, a baller ass corporate executive Really? And when I was six months old, my family moved to Brazil because my dad uh, became the president of Pepsi Cola in all of Brazil. Holy shit. Yeah, so he did. So they were fucking going, you know, they had shit going on. Like, right. uh, um, they had live in maids. And um, I was raised by fucking like these Brazilian servants that lived that lived in the house so i spoke my first words in portuguese wow because my because my, 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 my parents didn't my parents just didn't fucking pay attention to me at oh, all <laughs> so that's what made you crazy perhaps yeah how do they deal with you now um well my mom died in 2003 and my dad and i are fucking tight as fuck everything that oh, that's the, cool yeah everything that the like drove us apart brought us together oh. but yeah I spoke my first words in portuguese in brazil when I was two years old, I moved to Venezuela, and I spoke fluent Spanish in nursery school in Caracas, Venezuela. Holy shit. When I was four years old, I moved to, to uh, Connecticut. So by the time I was three, I, I spoke three languages fluently. By the time I was five, I forgot two of them completely. And then when I was six years old, we moved to Miami. When I was nine years old, I moved to London, England. When I was 12 years old, I moved to Canada, I lived in Toronto. And then this 13 years old, back to England, and I stayed there all through high school. Wow. So this is all your dad just being an executive yeah, dad, for different companies? Dad, or? Dad, yeah. The, the move from Brazil to Venezuela, dad got promoted to, um, fuck, the president of Pepsi-Cola in, like, South America, I think. Oh. Uh. Maybe, like, maybe all of South America. I'm not sure. Then when we moved to... Uh, to Connecticut, I want to say that's when Dad became a fucking a big tobacco CEO. Whoa, <laughs> which is hilarious. Yeah. Did he smoke? Um, he he never fucking took a puff on a cigarette in his life ever. Wow, just yeah, was so doing he, it as an executive. Yeah, fucking dude. Dad sold soda, Pepsi, fucking just sold death, sugar water, and then cigarettes. And then when we when we were living in Miami, this was the 1980s, and all of a sudden it came to light that that cigarettes were bad for you. <laughs> right, and all the tobacco companies uh, started buying up food companies, you know, because they're thinking, "Fuck, we got to get out. We got to get out of this." Right. And so, uh, Dad worked for RJR, which is a, a tobacco company, and RJR, RJ Reynolds, what it was, RJ Reynolds, and they bought 
Nabisco, and, and the companies merged. It became RJR Nabisco. And that dad had an aberrationally good year that year. Dad, dad ended up becoming like the president of Nabisco and shit. Wow. Yeah. Uh, I forget if it was. Um, I, I don't really know what it's. So they that. didn't figure out until the 1980s that cigarettes were bad for you. They only really. It only became a legal issue in the 80s. Like lawsuits and shit. Right. Oh. They 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 only really got fucking scared of lawsuits in the 80s. You know what's crazy? I just read something about uh, tobacco companies that they're making more money now than ever. That less people smoke, but they they charge more for cigarettes now than they ever have before. Oh so my god! In Australia, in Australia, it's twenty fucking dollars a pack. What? Twenty fucking dollars a pack. Oh, twenty dollars American or twenty dollars Australian? Well, twenty dollars Australian. What's and the exchange rate? It's, it's full parity to the Canadian dollar. So, oh, okay, so, so pretty close to our, one, to our one, dollar. One Australian dollar is seventy five cents. Huh. Um, for for American dude, it's so fucking funny. I was over there. I've, I've done a couple Australia, a few Australia tours. And I went in there, they got the, the fucking cigarettes locked up. Like, you, you can't even see them. They're in a fucking, like a gun cabinet, <laughs> you know? <laughs> you, gotta, you gotta ask them to unlock the gun cabinet, which you can't even see into. And then, like, it's illegal for them to even have a fucking uh, a, a logo. Like there, there's no logo. There's no nothing. Like even the name. Like the brand, Marlboro, they don't. They can't use the, the logo. The, the the brand name of Marlboro. Every fucking cigarette. Uh, the name of the company has to be in the same fucking font. They can't oh. even. They can't even have the Marlboro logo or font. It's all a uniform font that says the company. And the entire fucking pack is just the most. The whole fucking packaging is nothing but one gigantic photo. Of like a dead baby, right. <laughs> like the most hilarious fucking like shit, and and, and I'm telling you, it's and it's twenty dollars per pack, and everybody's fucking smoking. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's that's like the craziest thing about it is that the more they charge more than ever, and yeah, oh yeah, there that dude, there you go. Whoa, Brand. go full screen with that. Dude, Jesus Christ, dude, smoking that's... causes blindness. <laughs> Who the fuck's ever gone blind? And look, smoking causes throat and mouth cancer. Oof. Brand, you see, brand. And, and in the Brand same variant. fucking font. Wow. Oh my God. It's so fucking hilarious, wow. dude. I laugh so hard. And it doesn't work. Dude. It, it doesn't keep people from buying it. That's it what's doesn't hilarious. Work. And, and dude, that, that, I mean, imagine that. Imagine picking up a new pack every day. That is so fucking bizarre. They, That's they got so straight bizarre. Up, they got dead babies. They Smoking got fucking, causes emphysema. Grab my pack of those. Dude, every single one of them is so fucking hilarious yeah i've never seen that i've seen um in england they have a big picture of like people that have you know like lung cancer and shit on the cover <coughs> and, it, and it says smoking will kill you but they don't have this shit what the <laughs> fuck it causes dude. peripheral vascular disease it makes your feet rot gangrene dude there was the the, the, the most tame picture i saw on oh. a pack of cigarettes was um it was a picture of a toilet with with blood in the water, and I forget what what the point was on that one. But cigarettes make your asshole bleed. <laughs> Isn't it crazy that that doesn't even work? Like you, right. you're selling oh, yeah. someone something that you're showing them all the terrible right. shit that it could do, and everybody's like, "Yeah, worth it." Right. Worth it for a puff. I, I know. I used to be convinced. I remember. Dr. Drew, Dr. Drew used to pester me for, like, to try to get me on that celebrity rehab show before I was sober. Right. And he had another project which was trying to, uh, it was focused on getting people to quit smoking cigarettes. Were you smoking at the time? I, I smoked for fucking 17 years. I started smoking when I was 16 and stopped when I was 33. Whoa. Yeah, 17 years I fucking smoked, man. Do you feel any ill effects of it now at 43? 
Mm, uh, almost 43. And How's your cardio? I think it's pretty good. What what fucked up my cardio was all that nitrous oxide, dude. <laughs> I fucked up my dude. I went I went through those Whippet cartridges. Yeah. There's 24 per box, and there's 25 boxes per case. So per case, there's 600 cartridges, and it was not unusual for me to go through 600 in like 24 hours, 24 to 36 <gasps> hours. What? I would, I, I I went I, I I took every measure to try to limit, like the fucking air that went into my lungs to try to make it like all nitrous oxide <laughs> like i was the whole time i'm holding i'm holding in a lung full of that shit and i'm just with my, my fucking can the the canister from starbucks and shit I'm just, i was like a fucking wizard at like loading up six into while holding the last fucking ones you know and and dude that was when all the all the crazy shit would go down because i would be like awake on cocaine for three days and inhaling nothing but nitrous oxide <laughs> and at that point is when shit starts popping off and people <laughs> people are people are walking around my apartment who are never physically there oh, you know so i was seeing a bunch of shit oh dude like actual fucking people man i watched a dude walk through my apartment and fucking pick up pick up my bong and take a hit and blow out smoke and fucking then like put it down and just the dude walked through the wall he was never fucking there ever Whoa. I had, but I he had, looked as real as I do or dude, Jamie I, does yeah, dude, I had fucking like tactile hallucinations I had fucking you could feel things big time dude big, like what kind of things because here's like here's my whole thing and, and I kind of still believe this to this day is you know that like our little our little uh <clears throat> three-dimensional experience is is very uh, small small part of what's going on in the universe right there's right. Like, there's dimensions there's you know all frequencies everything and that like that if you do enough drugs like um that the barriers between these different compartments of the universe become eroded somehow you know like i started hearing voices and and to an extent i fucking believe still that that shit was real like uh these spirits that were fucking talking to me i'm hearing the voices like i had a conversation with a friend of mine who sells weed about a, a, a very similar thing where i was saying that i think that something happens when you that when you smoke pot it's not just that you get high but that the way you interface with the world changes and then the world changes because of that not not the world changes like the world changes for you or for him but the world that i'm experiencing is sure. different yeah, like in the quantum physics kind of sense. I don't know. I'm too stupid for that. Right, but, me but too. But what I'm saying is that my feeling about the world is that when you when you change the way your brain works, <clears throat> which is essentially what you do when you get really high, and you change the way you think about the world, I think the world that you experience is different. Sure. It's like, you know, like people think, like this is a very simplistic way of looking at it, but it's sort of parallel. You know, some people think, oh, the world sucks, everything sucks, and their life always sucks. And then there's people that are always super positive and super happy, and their life is always happy. Sure. Mm -hmm. There's something about when you get like really high, like especially marijuana, because marijuana is a sensitivity drug. It's almost like the opposite of a lot of drugs, because a lot of drugs make you insensitive, like alcohol makes you blunt, right? You're not aware of people looking at you. You don't give a fuck. You're like, whoa, you get drunk, you get loud, and you're crazy, and your social cues get skewed. You don't see. Marijuana is the opposite. Marijuana, you get like really aware of other people. People will call it paranoid because you start thinking about all these possibilities <clears throat> that you never thought of before. But I feel like 
the way you interface with the world becomes very different. You're aware of all these different possibilities. You start thinking about things that you fucked up when you were in high school. You know, you start oh, thinking. Dude, of, mushrooms are the worst for that. Too. Oh yeah. Oh sure. Yeah. yeah oh yeah. God, I made a mistake. Make you accountable. I get so introspective. I mean, I, it's been forever since. But is it but too introspective? I got, I got too introspective. But how, why, how too? Like just start picking myself apart, like, uh, and you know, putting myself on trial in a sense. Right. You know, like uh, just too introspective, where I'm just like determined that I just suck. You know. Well, maybe that's just a perspective. Like, I think the introspective aspect of it, one of the reasons why it comes up, it feels like to me, is because there's a bunch of shit about yourself that you don't like, but you don't address. Right, And okay. so then it, it forces you, hey, to, in order to truly live in the moment, you have to be balanced. You have to be like, I've uh -huh. looked at it all, and I've, I understand I've made mistakes, and here's where I'm at. But if you've never looked at yourself, if you've never looked at those mistakes... Then you 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 sure. have like this backlog right. of shit you have to deal with. Right, and, and I agree with that. Like 100%. you're in debt. I you know? agree, agree with that, except when it becomes just a morbid fucking flogging of oneself. Right. Oh yeah. <laughs> which For is, sure. Which is what which is what it would come to. But I feel like that morbid flogging of yourself comes from you. Like the, the the debt analogy is a good analogy because if you're in like massive debt and you go to spend money, you're like, I don't even have any money. How am I spending this money? Whereas right. if you're even and you go to spend the money, you're like, no big deal. I'm just spending some money. It's normal, right? right? Mm -hmm. uh, I think that when you don't have an accounting of who you are and what you've right. done, and especially mm -hmm. I think the big one is your effect on other people. Right. You know, that's the one that comes up with me on mushrooms or on, on pot, especially on edibles. It's like how I've interacted with other people. And even if I thought it was justified, uh, and maybe I was justified, when, when it comes up on pot, Especially on edibles, the big—that's the for me at least. That's where I feel like the most accountable, and I have to think about like my behavior the most. Well, I always great. feel like with the edible thing, it always feels like could I have done better? It, mm -hmm. Instead of just being like, was I okay? Like, yeah, that guy was being a dick to you. Yeah, fuck him. It's never that. It's always like maybe I could have caught on earlier to how he was feeling and right. reassessed how I was communicating with him and instead of being defensive or aggressive right I mean, maybe I could have handled it better that, well hey man sounds like you're working a great spiritual program with your edibles <laughs> <laughs> well I try to do it all the time but <clears throat> when, sure. I'm, when I'm with edibles like I've said this before and people go oh no but I think pot makes you a better person I really do, because I think all that responsibility I, you know, I and accountability. I, I wish I could smoke pot, but you know my pot bone's no, connected don't. to my booze bone, and my booze you. bone's connected to my. This you don't thing. have to. Right. Look, you you don't honestly. No one has to do anything. I get as much high and as much um, mental clarity from yoga as I do from anything. I really Dope. do. Dope. I, I mean, if if someone told me uh, I couldn't smoke pot for the rest of my life, but I could do yoga. Or I could just smoke pot for the rest of my life and not do yoga. I think I would take the yoga. Wow. I really do. All right. Because yoga gives me, um, I mean, I, I love the feeling of pot. I really do. But yoga gives me um, a relaxation when it's over. Like a, there's a clarity that comes from things that is like it's friend. Like after like post-yoga class, those are like the, that is the friendliest, nicest group of fucking people. Go stand. <laughs> you want to meet some nice folks? Right. Stand outside of a yoga class when the <laughs> yoga class is exiting. Right. You'll meet like the most balanced, nice people because they drained all the bullshit out of themselves. Hey, can we hit pause so I can take a leak? Already? I know. I animal. told you, You're dude. an animal. Go. We're not, we're not pausing, though. <laughs> He's such a good guy. He really is. 
he's such a good guy and he's always like worried that he's not a good guy and he's always like you know like coming down on himself we'll talk about this a little but um al madrigal i'll set this up so he doesn't have to so he doesn't have to be uncomfortable al madrigal when he was here was talking about he gets mad at guys like Steve-O because Steve-O is uh, a guy who kind of came to stand up after he did other things. And I was like, I don't want the thing that is like what I feel is like my chosen thing in life, the most amazing thing in life to me, to be something that someone comes to as a last resort. But Al even thinks it's stupid that he thinks like that. And then so like when he said it, like Steve-O was kind of bummed out. So Steve-O texted me about it. And Steve-O and I talked. And I t we were supposed to do a podcast anyway. So there was like this question of whether or not we should talk about it, like when it came to the actual show itself. But my feeling on all that stuff is that it's whoever does stand-up does stand-up. Like it's bullshit. I was just explaining the, that you're a great guy and the whole Al Madrigal thing. Oh, yeah. Without you having to be in the room and feeling comfortable. Oh, whatever. But, the <laughs> <laughs> but I think that anybody, uh, like that judgment thing of like, you, this is not a stand-up. You're not a stand-up. He's not a stand-up. Right. That's so insecure. It's so crazy. Especially when your premise is that you care so much about stand-up. Yeah. Well, right? I love what you said to me at the comedy store the other night. You said, well, I just love stand-up. So, like, I, I, want more, I want there to be more of it. Yeah. You I know, want more I, people doing stand-up. Yeah. I love it. I, 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 love, I love watching I love, it. I love, I love funny shit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. If you're doing stand-up and people are laughing, that's stand-up. It doesn't... I don't care if you're a fucking surgeon. You know, if you're a brain surgeon and you decide to do stand-up at night, are you not a stand-up? Like, once you do stand-up comedy, to me, you go on stage, you tell some jokes, people laugh, you're a fucking comic. You know? I mean, I don't care if it's an open mic night. You're a comic. <clears throat> sure. You might not be a professional stand-up comedian. Right. But if, you, if someone says, oh, I'm a comic too. Like, okay. Doesn't mean you're good. Like, you know, like you could, you could be, be a guy who works on cars, but you just fuck up constantly. It doesn't make you a <laughs> professional a mechanic. mechanic. You know what I'm saying? Right. It's like, but once you, you're doing it, we're all doing right. the same thing. Yeah, you could suck one dick. <laughs> yeah, you're a cocksucker. You're a cocksucker. You might not be good at it. The guy might have, let me tell you about the way that guy sucks dick. Right, He's yeah. terrible at it. I, I got my dick sucked by a guy one time. I was totally underwhelmed. Yeah. <laughs> why, why did that happen? <laughs> Uh, it was. Uh, <laughs> was it on purpose? Well, it started out like um, a joke. No, it wasn't a joke. It, a this, bet? this this happened in December, Tuesday, December of two thousand two. Whoa! And uh, I That's was pretty recent. I was doing a show at the nine thirty club in uh, DC. Uh, after the show, there was um, it's a great pl pl great place. Fucking wasted. I was just really wasted, and, and I had this shady manager, and he was really wasted too. And he was talking to this person who appeared to be a hot chick, right? <sighs> appeared to be a hot chick, and and I was like, hmm, this is it. And so I kind of started talking to this person who appeared to be a hot chick, and and wooed the person away from the shady manager. Oh. And I was feeling really good about it, you know. Mm. Turns out, in hindsight, that had we had we not been so intoxicated, it was rather evident. <laughs> <laughs> But we were really intoxicated, so we were walking away from the from the 9:30 club. Um, if that was the safari or 9:30, one of the two. I don't think they have safari anymore. But walking down the street, going to like uh, the, the next place, uh, someone pulls me aside. Uh, you know, a, a friend pulls me aside and says, "Hey, just want you to know that that person you're talking to." Um, was it like uh, not a girl, or but it wasn't like they didn't say what say uh, that that person. It's, it's a hermaphrodite, was what the, oh. it was described as a hermaphrodite. 
meaning, I guess, you know, other meaning, like both, a, both, both woman and, um, and uh, they, they described that the person had had a surgical operation to remove the male parts. So I was kind of a chick. Right. Right. And right. I was just like, oh, whatever. I don't care, you know. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I was just like, oh, whatever, you right. know, wound up. I wrote about this in my book um, about, um, like, I really had this sense, you know, I, I, I you know, we came back to the hotel and, and, um, and uh, the, the, the sense that I got, and this is a pretty fucking outrageous take on it, was that here was this person who was um, kind of, I don't know, damage is a mean word, but like, you know, there was something, you know, like this person like wanted to be loved, wanted to be accepted. Right. You know, there was something going, there was some kind of thing. And, and I wanted this person to feel loved, <laughs> you mm. know? And that was kind of where the, I think that like that, that was part of what was going on. You know, I was like, hey, I'm going to, I'm going to play ball with this person and we're going to snuggle all night. Okay. <laughs> you know? Right. And, and so like, uh, so and then that was in in the whole in over, over the course of the evening there was there was oral sex and um, a, a while later this is where it gets really crazy I wasn't doing that to show Dr Drew's Love Line show and talk to Dr Drew Dr Drew says uh, you know I'm paraphrasing he says Stevo there's no such thing as a hermaphrodite what happened was a dude sucked your dick <laughs> wait a minute there's no such thing He's, as a hermaphrodite that's what Dr Drew told me. I don't I, think that's true. Well, you know, and I'm not a doctor, so I probably shouldn't say that. I, I don't but understand Dr. Drew's that. been wrong about pot, and he's not a pot smoker. Dude, Doctor Drew was—I I love Doctor Drew almost more than anybody. But there, but the first chink in his armor happened when uh, when I asked him, Doctor Drew, why, why is uh, is jerking off so much more pleasurable if you tickle your balls while you're doing it? And he said, I didn't know that was the case. What? Yeah. <laughs> what? Do you think, how like, do you think I'm Dr. Like, Drew jerks I... off? I think he jerks off with his head out the window. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, Drew, I was like, Drew, how do you, I thought you knew everything. What? Your balls feel good. Cause it feels good to touch your balls. Same way. Yeah. Re the reason why it feels good for other people to touch your balls. Like, listen, rub your own neck. It feels good to rub your own neck. Right. Just like it feels good to get a massage. Right. Jesus Christ, of course it feels good to rub your balls. What a I, dumb answer. Right. But but since, since you brought up the allomagical Pull thing, up hermaphrodite. Find out yeah. if that's true. I need to know. Because I'm pretty sure that it's rare, but it does exist, that uh, there have been people that have been born. He said uh, fucking uh, androgynous, I think, is is it androgynous is something. Mm -hmm. But uh, he says hermaphrodite does not exist. And Well, I don't, that doesn't seem to, he, maybe he's just fucking around with you. I don't that think, doesn't I don't seem think to make so. sense, though. I don't think so because I've talked to because him about it because it's a medical term. I've talked to him about it on many occasions. Yeah. Yeah. Well, he. F I like Doctor Drew. I don't <laughs> want to. I want to shit on Doctor Drew. He's him. a good guy, but he fucked up. He fucked up when he started talking about Hillary Clinton's medical condition on the right. air, and they fired him from CNN for it. I know. From you can't love, do that. Right. You can't do that. You're not a, if you're a doctor and you start talking about someone's medical condition without actually appraising them physically. Well, you see that in the tabloid magazines. This doctor commented, but then they have to clarify that this yeah. doctor, like the, the the person they're talking about, was never one of their patients. Well, he made an assessment about her health, right? And, and that's dangerous because you're doing it on television. You're talking about someone who's running for president. Meanwhile, look, 
he's right in some ways. Like, she blacked out, hit her head, had brain trauma that Bill Clinton talked about publicly. Bill Clinton talked about how she was in recovery for six months from brain trauma, from having a seizure, <coughs> falling down, and smashing her head off the ground. When you're 67 years old or however old, old she was when that happened, that's really dangerous. Like, yeah. I know a lot about head trauma. I've, I've researched a lot about head trauma. I've experienced a bunch myself, as I'm sure you have. Yeah. I know you did from Tim Kennedy. <laughs> right. You're fucking special. I talked to you about it afterwards. I'm like, right. dude, you can't let somebody do that to you. I know. I asked him to drop me on my head. <sighs> he dropped me. He lifted me up by my neck, choking me out with my feet off the ground. And then That's let so you dope. go. And they dropped me and dropped from up you on there. Your head. That's so bad for you. And my head bounced like a basketball. You could have died. For sure. People die from that yeah, the, all the, the time. The back of the head's more soft, too. Oh, huh? my God. Well, it's super, just super dangerous. Yeah. Like, anytime you fall and you hit your head, this is how you have to think about it. I'm not going to do that again. Please don't. <laughs> don't think of it as hitting your head. Think of it as you getting hit by the world. That's right. what it's like. The whole world is, like, slamming into your right. fucking head. And I was talking to Tony Hawk about the CTE stuff. Oh, it's and, so bad. And he said that... Uh, that if you have a gene that predisposes you to Alzheimer's, mm -hmm. then your brain doesn't um, regenerate or, or heal, mm -hmm. you know, and um, and so so if, so you're more fucked. You're more at risk for CTE if if that's the case. If you have that gene, mm -hmm. if you don't have the gene, then you're better off. And yeah. he said so. I went so I went and got it. I went and got this test, and it determined that. I don't have the gene. So I was like, oh, okay, cool. And I thought about it for a while. And then I had to text him like, hey, so what were you going to do if it turned out that you did have the gene? And he's like, oh, I didn't have a plan. <laughs> <You know? laughs> so then I asked myself, do I want to go get that test? Because what happens if it turns out that you do have the gene? There's nothing to do about it. Yeah. You're super bummed. I don't well, want to be bummed. <laughs> yeah. Well, there's there's ways you can, I guess you could probably mitigate the onset of Alzheimer's now. I would have to like look at what they're doing now and what, what you can figure out. And they're working hard at it. But yeah. On we, it's fucking on that shit. Yeah. But this, I mean, the, really, you need medical science to figure out. Like they, they have to figure out. I mean, there has to be like some pretty legitimate studies. And those studies take a long time because you have to follow people with Alzheimer's. You got to try one way with one group and another way with another group and see like what the, you know, which group has more progress. But the bottom line is anytime you're getting hit in the head, it's fucking bad. Like right. tennis players get, get concussions, you know, right, right. like people get concussions from playing soccer. You know who gets brain trauma? This gets, gets really crazy. People ride jet skis. The bouncing of jet skis. Oh, yeah. Bah, 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 oh, shit. Bah. It Bad. shakes your fucking brain inside your head. And, and I'm it... only thinking of, of times when I got hit in the head hard enough that I actually lost time, you know, where, like, I time traveled because right. I blacked out. <laughs> right. Like, um, I, I got in the ring with uh, the fucking the Monday Night Raw, the, the wrestling. Oh. This was so fucking terrible. It was so bad because here's the thing. I was never a fucking wrestling fan. I never got into it. I just didn't understand it. Right. And and, and, uh, and and so, like, when we got in the fucking ring to promote it, like, we kind of walked through what the moves were going to be, you know, with this wrestler who's since passed away. His name is Umaga. This fucking jet guy. They called him the Samoan bulldozer. And uh, so we walked kind of through what it was and like, I'm going to do a backflip off the top rope and he was going to do this and we're going to knock me over, you know, and it's pretty incredible how they just very loosely like walk through a choreograph, it, right. yeah, very loosely choreographed, but we know what the moves are and we know it's supposed to be the final move. What I did not know, and this was, this proved to be really bad is that I did not know that the match is not fucking over until you actually play dead. You have to be like completely still. Oh, so no. at, the, at the end, when he was supposed to, uh, 
there was some fucking pretty major hit, like to, to my head or, or, or to my chest, whatever it was. I can't remember. But the final hit, like in, in, in when we were doing it live, it was he was hitting so much fucking harder. Oh, yeah, I know what it was. He jumped off the top rope. Uh, and 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 fucking landed on landed me? on me, yeah. Oh geez, here he, it is. Yeah, he jumped off the top rope and Look landed the on me. Size of that fucking. Right. Oh no, he yeah. did it. Yeah, he did. Oh my god. So now dude. here's the thing. That's it's supposed to be over. But if you notice, I'm fucking not playing dead. I'm rolling around like I see. I'm I'm moving around. So I'm you moving didn't around. know. And so here here he notices. It's supposed to be over at this point. But he's offended because he's like, I, I'm not. Now this is not. This is never supposed to. Happen. Look at this elbow. Boom. Oh my Did god! He really that? hit you. That knocked me out. There, like, and, and I don't remember anything after that. So you're. you're I don't you're remember leaving hands, the ring. Going like this. Yeah, I'm begging him. I'm praying to him. But the thing is that I'm still moving. Oh my god! And, and he's to, still in, throwing you in out. his world. It's not over until you play dead. But I didn't know that. See, they didn't even show the end oh of the match. Oh my god! They never. They just cut away from it because it got so ugly. And I don't remember leaving the ring. And then on top of that, I went home and fucking destroyed my brain some more with the goddamn nitrous. (laughs) Maybe that helped you. To where I'm blacking out, you know? Did you talk to him afterwards? Did you hey, man, why'd you fucking crack me in the head? He was cool with me. I went back. um, I went back to... and, and and like worked my way in. I was like with my video camera trying to get him to fucking choke me unconscious, like oh, like Tim Jesus Kennedy did. Christ. You know, I wanted to film that for a thing, and he was totally down. But then, like they got hip to what I was doing there, like and all the WWE brass like kind of came and got me kicked out. He was cool with me, but but yeah, that that's offensive to a wrestler to get in there and play in their world and not like. Not Still just give in. Because when I, when I get hit really hard, like to me, like I, I react, I laugh, you know, like whatever, like it's a thing. And, I, you know, like I'm reacting to it. And, and right, I, but you got to. That was offensive to him. Yeah, you ha- it has to be final. It has to be over. Dude, that elbow to the head was the fucking. I can imagine. That it's was a giant dude. Yeah. After, <laughs> what right. happened to him? How did he pass away? Uh, I think he had a heart attack. Wow. Yeah. He, he, but yeah, that guy was great. That guy well, was a lot like, of those um, wrestlers, they get hooked on pills. Because they're in pain right. all the time. It's a big, big problem yeah. with, with pro wrestling. Pro wrestling is one of the most unappreciated <laughs> or underappreciated things in terms of like how difficult it is for the performers. Right. It's one of the most difficult jobs a person can do. Those guys are on tour hundreds of days a year, if not 300 days a year, right? They're constantly on the road, and they're doing that all the time. They're slamming into each other, throwing each other on the ground, pile driving each other, slamming, jumping from the top rope. I get it, man. Massive, yeah. massive trauma. Those guys all suffer from some kind of trauma. For sure. Yeah. It's and, yeah and, and that was a heavy blackout. And um, I, I can think of a few times where I just blacked out because I hit my head so hard. And then there's other times where I hit my head and, and then started and the nausea kicks in and mm-hmm. start barfing. Mm-hmm. Like that happened when I was 10 years old. Yeah. Well, you probably got a lot of brain damage, bro. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, the, what, what it, and what's fucked up about it is that it doesn't affect me now, but that's just creeping up on me for later. It's well, kinda, it definitely affects you now. It's just like, how much does it affect you? It's like, you ever wake up, I'm sure you've woken up hungover, and you're like, oh, God, I feel mm-hmm. like shit. Well, that's how you feel because of what you did to your body, but if that's how you felt every day, you would just get used to that. That's, that's, uh-huh. That would be who you are. And when you fuck your brain up, well, the weird thing is you never go back to how you used to feel. It's not like you can hit a switch and you go, how was I when I was 18 and I'd never been hit in the head? Let me hit the switch. Click. Oh, so much clarity. That, that's not available. Right. So you just deal with how you are. Okay. Like you ever wake up in the morning 
And you just feel kind of stupid. You can't forget where your keys are. What am I supposed to do today? You just feel dull. Everybody's been there, right? Just feel dull. Maybe you sure. feel jet lagged. Like, you know, jet lagged. You're like, oh, I just can't if feel. If anything, I feel tired. I'm always fucking tired, man. Right now? Yeah, just in general. Yeah. Because, um, and, and I wonder if that's it. Because that is a, uh, that's a factor. Because for sure. I, I got on the vegan diet. Right, and I remember a, a while a while into it, I started feeling fucking tired, and I was like, "Man, it's got to be my fucking vegan diet." I'm pissed, you know. Mm -hmm. And then, and then there was a point where I said, "Fuck the vegan diet. I'm gonna eat fish again and eggs." But I was still tired, and I was still fucking tired. Do you ever get your blood work done? Um, I, I should. I do. I mean, I get I get like full panel everything. You do. Well, I mean, as far as like for like STDs and shit, I'm like that's uh, not good enough. No, you right. mean you should go to a doctor that can check out your nutritional profile, and they I might do need to do that. Yeah, they might say you're deficient on iron. It could be like a niacin I, thing I do, or a B12 I do get, thing. Like, I do have that. Like they'll tell me that my testosterone is kind of low. Mm -hmm. My vitamin D. A lot of that also comes from brain damage. Oh yeah. Testosterone being low is a big issue with football players, ex fighters. Um, your pituitary gland is very sensitive, and that's one of the things that happens to people literally just from jet skiing, like I was saying. Skiing in general, like jumping, ski jumps and stuff uh -huh. like that, even without even get, get, getting hit in the head, just anything that causes your head to shake around a wow. lot. Like, I'm sure headbanging, like, oh God. like the guys that's from ACDC. I went to the fucking chiropractor. I've been to the chiropractors, and, you know, I'll go to the chiropractor, and they're familiar with jackass and the shit I've done. Mm -hmm. And, and you know, they'll, like, take my uh, my x-ray to look at my at my spine, and they're like, dude, I don't understand it. Like, you're like fucking Keith Richards, you know? Like, there's no, there's, like, you're in, in much so much better shape than I expected you would be in, except for in my neck, where I've got the, what do they call it, the... Callus or, or not callus, the I don't know, some kind of fucking buildup. Um, and, and, and then I think I'm thinking of what's some sort of calcium bang. deposits mm. or no? Oh, Jesus, they think it's from head banging, yeah, yeah, some kind of so you have some disc degeneration, some sort of deterioration, yeah, anyway, whatever it is. And so um, my, my neck is more fucked up than anything, and, and so then there, there's more of that. I'm super but, skeptical of chiropractors, by the way. I, I, yeah, just, I'm not a big fan either. I, I just I, heard too many regular doctors say that's just horseshit. Right. I, I went to, uh, it got to a point where I was like, fuck, you know, and, and, and I was doing some job. Um, I was getting ready to do some job. And, you know, you go to this uh, physician to clear you before you can, you know, be on, like, a work a TV or a movie job. Right. Go to this fucking physician to the stars who just did it. And she's shining a light down my throat. And she says, hmm, um, the, the, the opening at the back of your throat is very narrow. Do you, like, do you ever find that you sleep a full night's sleep, but you wake up and you're still tired? And I was like, Jesus Christ, that's exactly fucking me. You know, I'll sleep for, you know... Eight hours, nine hours, I get up fucking tired. Sleep apnea. Yeah, so she said, I, I recommend you get a sleep study. Did you do it? I did. I What'd got a sleep study. They said I have a mild to moderate sleep apnea. Mm -hmm. Super common. You know, you get a mouthpiece to fix that. I know, I got to, but I already have a... Uh, <laughs> you have a fake tooth? Yeah, but the mouthpiece, fortunately for you, it fits on the bottom. Oh, fits in the okay. only on the bottom, and what it does is, is a tongue depressor, and it presses down your tongue, Dude, keeps your tongue from sliding back, and covering buddy, your ear hole. I have a buddy of mine that that fixed everything. Dude, I it have to do for that, me, man. I'll hook you up. I know a guy that does it. Dude, I have to do that yeah. immediately. Yeah, it's um. There's a doctor in uh, Encino, Doctor Caropian, who's famous for it. Yeah, it please. Makes a really good please, one. Yeah, please. Yeah, well, do. it's um. 
it, it's super common, like sleep apnea. Right. It's, it's people with big tongues, your tongue, as you lay back, especially if you lay on your back, it falls back and covers over your air hole. Right. And that's what causes a lot of gagging and loud snoring. You know, uh-huh. but it's a huge issue for people. And that CPAP machine, man, I mean, some people need I to have it. Do but it man. I, I did. Do I it. tried it. I tried it too. I tried it for a while and I, I was able to fall asleep. But then about an hour or two into it, the fucking thing just blowing, blowing me away and wakes yeah. me up. And there's, and, and there's, I just couldn't fucking do it's it. It's too weird. You're sleeping with a Darth Vader mask on. Yeah. It's just, it's, it's too weird. <laughs> for really fat people, though, it's huge. Yeah. The extent that you have to, to clean that fucking thing. Oh. Yeah, man. But speaking of fat mouthpiece people, is easy. Where did we go from there, though? We we started out with some sort of a brain yeah, we, damage we, thing. We, 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 were, we were talking about Al Madrigal, and then we got on dudes sucking dudes' dicks, right. and then we got onto head trauma. But I felt like we had an important <laughs> thing to say about head trauma. Like, what did we start off with? Um, it was j- just that it's kind of bad to, <laughs> <laughs> you know. I feel oh, pr- being I feel, tired. Yeah. yeah. If you, I mean, I guarantee you that has something to do with why your uh, testosterone is low. Also, you know, another thing that has to do with uh, how many, like, healthy fats, how much uh, healthy fat is in your diet, because mm-hmm. fats and e- even cholesterol are literally the precursors for hormones. It's like how your body, uh-huh. like, one of the things that people find when they go on a heavy fat-based diet, like a ketogenic diet, is um, their hormones jump up. It's because your body, that's how your body makes hormones. Your body uses fats and cholesterol, actually, to make hormones. Now, when you say healthy fats, like avocados. Avocado, coconut right. oil. Mm-hmm. Avocado is interesting because it's a combination of uh, saturated fat and unsaturated fat. And most people assume that saturated fat it's is bad, bad for you, bad. but it's not. A lot of that came out of the sugar industry that your, your fucking dad was probably a part of. <laughs> the, right. the sugar industry paid off. And this was in, from the New York Times and a bunch of like really reputable newspapers reported on this really recently the sugar industry paid off scientists to lie about the effects of saturated fats to cover up the effects of sugar <clears throat> it's really sad because so many people to this day run around worrying about saturated fat and not worrying about sugar because they're worried about saturated fat in their diet and that's what made people switch over to shit like margarine which is terrible for you they don't even recommend margarine anymore that's how trans fats got introduced into people's trans diets. fats are terrible Dude, they're trying to make them illegal, and they've made them illegal in America, but they still have like another year or so where you're allowed to sell it, which is hilarious. They give these companies an extra year or two to get rid of all the bullshit that they that they made so uh, that they can still fuck people over for 12 months and make money. They knew that that stuff was bad for you decades ago, and they yeah. just, they've been like, la, 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 not listening. Dude, I'm dying to tell you this story about, uh, about my dad. Okay, so... When I was 12, I moved to Toronto, right, living in Canada. Dad was the president of Nabisco Canada. And I was, speaking of headbanging, I was a fucking rabid Motley Crue fan, right? I fucking right. love Motley Crue. This was 1987. Shout out to the devil. Right. Now, this is, this is their, their Girls, Girls, Girls tour, right? I mean, I got fucking Motley Crue all over my bedroom walls. I'm fucking crazy about these fucking guys. Now, they, they come to, uh, to Toronto for their Girls, Girls, Girls tour. They're doing Maple Leaf Gardens. And uh, it's the day before the concert. Well, I should say my dad knew that what a big fan I was. And Nabisco Canada had a, a skybox in the arena. But my dad also knew that, that nobody from Nabisco gave a fuck about a Motley Crue concert. So the skybox was going to be empty. So my dad, <laughs> my dad said to me, he said, hey, I know how much you love Motley Crue. And so I'm, I'm going to bring you to the concert. We can, we can sit in the Nabisco skybox. And I tell my dad, 
dad watching Motley Crue through a plate glass window sucks, right? Ah. And he says, and he says, all right, well, you know, basically fuck you. You know, he's like, if you can do better, then we'll do better. You know, we, we, then we'll use your tickets if you can, you know, if I'm fucking, I was 13, you know? Right. So the day before the concert, I see on the news, they're, they're like complaining. They're like, these fucking asshole rock stars come to our city and fucking fuck around like one way or another. And I'm like, dude, they're here. The fucking Molly what, what, what are you saying? I'm confused. I, asshole the, rock stars? Yeah, what? yeah. They were. They made the news for some like bullshit. I forget what it was. I think they started some kind of fire or something crazy. But they were on the news. You know, and the, like, uh, they were complaining, these fucking guys come here. Okay. And so I'm like, they're in Toronto. They're in the city now. And the fucking concert's tomorrow. So I deduced that they're in a hotel, and I'm gonna fucking find these guys. I'm gonna fucking. You're 13. I was 13, and so I go fucking running to my room. Right, this is like right away. I'm thinking, I know all the guys, and I know their real names. Like Vince Neil is Vincent Wharton, right? Like I know all their names, and I'm like, I gonna fucking check into the the hotel as like Frank Carlton Ferrano, right? right. That's Nikki Six. They're not gonna use their real names, and I was like, they're gonna check into the hotel under the name of their manager. Right, and I, I just guess you just go, knew it. Go right into my room, and I fucking check on my little cassette fucking album sleeves. And I check everyone. It says Doc McGee, which was their manager, right? Doc McGee. So I'm like, that's the fucking one. I go run into uh, the 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 phone book, and the you know, and I fucking open it up to hotel, like the Yellow Pages, and I just straight start calling every fucking hotel in the Yellow Pages. And when the hotel answers, I'm like, will you please put me through to Mr. Doc McGee's room? Right, and the I, the fucking show is like a Sunday, and so it's a Saturday. Right, my dad's like watching college football. Right, I'm sitting there on the phone calling every fucking hotel in Toronto, just going down the list, not even calling the ones with the ads. Like literally, just sticking to the list so I don't miss one. And my mom's pissed because there was no call waiting. She's like, "You're tying up the house phone." Oh. Like my dad, all my dad ever wanted was for me to show initiative and to be like motivated for something, you know. And so my dad's like super stoked. I'm on fire. I'm telling my mom, "Mom, I'm calling Motley Crue." Fucking and. And my dad like calls off my mom, you know, like honey, right. like let him do his thing. And I fucking sat there for probably two or three hours just calling hotels. And I get, they put me through to this room. There was one like false alarm, you know. But then the second McGee's room that, that I got through to, the guy picks up the phone and uh, I say, hello, is that Doc McGee? And he says, no, this is Doc's brother, Scott. He's, and I'm like, as in Motley Crue? And he says, uh, he says, how did you get this number? And I told him, I fuck, I just called every fucking hotel in the Yellow Pages. I just <laughs> literally told him? I said, I just called every hotel in the Yellow Pages. Is the crew there? And, <laughs> and, and he goes, he goes hold, like, hold on a second. Are you fucking kidding me? That's, that's awesome. And he says, uh, he goes, I'm so impressed by what you did. And he says, he says, how would you like it if I put you on the list for backstage passes and I can I can give you tickets in the fifth row? So he gave me two tickets in the fifth row, fucking backstage passes. My dad, I went fucking chauffeur, my dad's chauffeur to the fucking Maple Leaf Gardens. We've gotten the fucking press line to the fucking- Fifth row. Fifth row, dude. That's insane. Yeah. That's actually better than the first row. You're yeah. like a little back. Just, oh, dude. Just it's, it was it was the dopest. I was fucking headbanging like a mod to give myself hella brain damage that wow. night, dude. And I was the Is last. Is that a picture from the era? Dude, dude like, uh, how are you not showing me with fucking Nikki Six and Tommy Lee? Is that dude? your picture? No, 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 no. But Is there oh, a dude, picture? just Google Steve-O and fucking Steve-O and Motley Crue, man. Like, when you were thirteen, I was thirteen. I was fucking thirteen. We went up wow. to the skybox and I put my 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 ghetto blaster. Fuck yeah, I put my ghetto blaster next to the little speaker deal 
at yeah, there's me and Tommy Lee. That's hilarious. <laughs> yeah, and then uh, and see, wow, how old is Tommy Lee? There's like uh, that's crazy. Me and Nikki Six right there. You were like a baby. I was a fucking baby, dude. That is so weird. Yeah, and you know, I'm standing next to these guys, and I'm like, I don't have fucking, you know, like shit to talk to them about, but the fact that I was standing next to those guys, and I was like, you know what? I'm here backstage with my fucking heroes, and it's because I fucking decided so, you know? Wow. Like, there's something about that that gave me this, this, this mentality. And then you see, like, top left right there? Check it out, fucking all these years later, and fucking when they when they announced that they're back together and going on their Carnival of Sins tour, Tommy Lee asked me to do something fucked up and introduce them, dude. How full circle! Wow. Yeah, dude. That's and, crazy. Dude, it was the dopest, man. Who's the dude on the far right? That's Mick Mars. The with the hat. Yeah, he's got like a, a degenerative like, bone disease. What's going on with him? Yeah, like I forget what it's called, but uh, yeah, he's like they they got to like have him come out when the lights aren't on. Oh no! Like uh, you know, or I don't know. Maybe he's doing better. I don't. He know. limps. Yeah, he's he's he's, he's in rough shape. But, oh, uh, poor guy. But yeah, dude, I love that story, man. Wow. And my dad, you know, it was like my kind of how my dad is. That's awesome, man. Yeah, dude. That's a great story. Well, thank you, man. It made yeah. it really made me into a monster in some regard because, like, I think that at that young age, it's like, you know, I I, I really can fucking you know if you just and i've always said like doesn't matter what people want it just matters how bad they really fucking want it i mean of course like within, it definitely matters what they want you want to play basketball against like well, of course within some LeBron kind of reason, within some Dude, kind but of i want it <laughs> right of course yeah. within within some <laughs> fucking parameters of reality right right but but it's uh, a factor what do they say they say that uh that uh luck is when preparation meets opportunity yes which is dope. I love That's that. True. I love that fucking yeah. saying. Yeah, there's a lot of variables, and you you can control some of them. Right. Yeah, and you, you definitely can control some of them. And now, like, like with like with fucking stand up, and, and and I really want to like I, I'm you brought up Al Magic. I'm only going to say this like quickly, and I want to be careful not to lynch the guy because you know I like like I don't want everyone to say, oh fuck that guy. From from everything I understand, he's hilarious. He's and a great guy. He's a great guy. He's hilarious, and you should absolutely check out his comedy special on Showtime, which is called Shrimpin' Ain't Easy. To decide for yourself, is this guy fucking funny? Yes, he's very. He's funny. very funny. He's very funny. Now, I never met the guy. I didn't know shit about him. But, but, um, and this was, this was, uh, was it 2012 or 2013? I, I had been headlining comedy clubs since 2010. You know, I, I got into it and I was just. So you've been doing stand up for seven years now? Yeah. Well, technically, it's been, uh, it's been almost 11 years since the first time I ever tried it. Which was uh, at the Laugh Factory when Skylar Stone in 2006 asked me to do a stunt at the at the Laugh Factory because he was hosting a show and he wants to you know so I'm like yeah I'll do a fucking stunt like whatever and I showed up I had no game plan when I walked in just as I said I, I said I can't there's nothing fucking crazier than me getting on stage right. trying to make people laugh that's the stunt that was I was terrified and so I tried it that night. But I never got like really hardcore like in earnest until 2000. Sorry, 2010. Now 2012, 2013. I'm at a point where I'm super comfortable in my in my 45 minutes, right? Like my whatever my hour is at that point. My like I'm just really comfortable in it, and I'm starting to feel like stale because I'm fucking going through the motions. And the shit, it like, uh, you, you know what that's like, right? Mm -hmm. You get to a point where you're just like, fuck, I'm dying because I'm not, you know. Not doing anything new. 
not doing anything new. Right. And and uh, and 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 the worst is if is is if you go back to a fucking place and do the same material. That's the, you know, and I don't I don't ever want to fucking do that. Like so so I'm like okay, I, I my comfort zone and I got to get out of it. But I but but I just wasn't doing it. As I finally put my put my foot down, I said fuck it. Okay, this is what I'm doing. I'm I'm promising myself I'm gonna go do ten minutes. I'm gonna do a ten minute set here in L.A. And, and even if I have to, I put it on my fucking calendar for one week later. And even if I have to bomb, I'm not backing out, period. I'm going, I'm doing 10, 10 new minutes. And I wrote fucking 10, I wrote a fucking set. And I went over to the Laugh Factory and I did it. And I was thrilled. I got some laughs, you know. Then I go over to the fucking, um, the improv. And I'm like, hey, you know, I, and I made the mistake. It was a mistake where I, I say, hey, I'm working on some new material. You never say that when you're working on new material. To the audience? Yeah. Yeah. Right. But, but I, I mentioned it. I said, hey, or, or maybe I did it. And then I said, hey, guys, thanks. You know, that, like I was trying some new material. And then thanks for, you know. And I, and I diligently recorded the fucking set to play it back and hear where the laughs were. And, you know, like I, I wrote my own shit. I went there and I fucking did, did new shit. And I worked it out and I recorded it. And, you know, that's how you do it. Right. Well, when I get off the stage, and, and I'm thrilled because the fucking people laughed, you know? And I right. sit in the crowd. I sit in the crowd. The host brings up the next comic. The next comic is Al Madrigal. He walks out, and he goes, oh, my God, what did we just see? We just saw Steve-O working on new material. I just, I, I, and he's just like, I, I, just, I just can't take it anymore like i just I, I just can't believe that you know that that this thing that that i consider my calling in life stand-up comedy that i care about it so much and now we have steve-o and dustin diamond out here doing this thing he's like i can't believe that these people are taking something that's so sacred to me and just using it as their last resort mm -hmm. and i'm sitting right there watching him say this shit i'm like what the fuck you know <laughs> like what the fuck are you doing dude it was just an it was a, such a blatant attack from the stage you right. know and i'm like I'm like, it's, it's it's not fucking right because a motherfuckers were laughing, you know. Right. Yeah, right. I played it back. Like I got in the car right after that, you know. Well, I, I sat there and watched. I couldn't even believe it. And then there's there was a lady that was talking at her table, and he just went in on her like beyond, beyond what was what like what was like, hey, be quiet, you know. I started starting in with like the personal like, whatever. And right, I, right, I don't right. even I don't even care. But what I perceived was that here's a guy who's claiming that his whole passion is stand up comedy. But his whole attack on me and then berating the woman, like there weren't any jokes, you know. Like it was almost like he just forewent the act of performing comedy to just sort of kind of be mean to me. Because he like, was upset that you were doing stand up. He's upset that I was doing stand up and and yeah. and, 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 and and whatever. But then then after his set, and he went in and started telling jokes after that. But after his set, he uh, comes over to the sound booth and I'm sitting right next to the sound booth sitting right next to it and he comes over and says something to the sound guy and kind of awkwardly notices I'm sitting right there and then he comes over and leans over the table and he says just so you know what you're doing isn't taken lightly <laughs> like, like face to face I felt like he totally insulted me lightly. just so you know what you're doing isn't taken lightly like mm -hmm. it's, it's, I don't even know what it meant but it, but it was clear that the that the sentiment was like and I meant everything I said <laughs> you know I felt like he came and insulted me to my face on top of that and I was just, I was pretty bent out of shape about it, but I didn't like say anything or, you know, and I certainly wouldn't have come here to talk about that. 
like uh, at all except what was it i was on here a couple weeks ago and like i i see in my twitter feed my like my name is tagged and it says listen to the podcast douche and i'm like huh and i'm like okay so so Al was on the Joe Rogan podcast, and I guess he's telling me to listen to it. And then there was more, like, Brendan Schaub replied, and mm-hmm. they're all playing nice. And I just fucked, so I started listening to the Al Madrigal thing. And he's, and, and he, like, right out of the gate, he's saying, like, oh, man, I have this habit where I, like, kind of create problems. I just, I, I talk shit on people, and I create beefs, and it's really counterproductive, and I, and I should work on it. And, I, you know, like, it's not a good thing. And, and he basically went on to apologize to everybody under the sun you know right. like and then my name comes up and and he, he makes the distinction that oh well i actually don't feel bad about fucking talking shit on steve i don't feel he says i actually don't feel bad about this at all and then he goes on to repeat like all the shit that he said from the stage and like i, I got so bad out of fucking shade that night you know you saw i texted I know. you we, we talked yeah and and wh- whatever like he's just got, you made the great point he said hey you know he just he does that shit sometimes he says dumb shit and and, and uh and, and i actually had a conversation with him about it and it was a hilarious conversation because he was like he calls me up and i answered the phone he's like how are you doing i'm like well not that fucking good you know i was so fucking pissed i i didn't even really fucking sleep last night you know were you that pissed i was i was it really fucking, kept you up it kept me up, dude. That's crazy. Why, I, how do you let other people affect you that much? That's a great question. It's a really. Do you meditate great, at all? I, I haven't. I got into the TM and I've been doing it very fucking little. I got to do it way more. Yeah, you I, do. You can't let someone fuck rent space in your head like that. I know. Because what he you. said was very mild. It was. It was. And we said on the podcast he was also kind of conciliatory. It was like he. Eh. No, conciliatory really. to everybody but me. <laughs> That's I think what bothered me so much. He goes, he goes, I feel bad. I do this. He goes, but then, but then when it comes to Steve-O, oh, I actually don't feel bad about this one. <laughs> you oh, know? It's so stupid. What you do is funny. I've seen you. I've seen you do stand up. You're funny. Well, thank you, man. I appreciate. You're, you're I appreciate, a comic in my mind. Hey, I appreciate that so much. And I, I think that what what particularly fucking got me hot about that was that the time that he chose to attack me was when. I had fucking when I was really working the craft of fucking comedy, writing my own material, going mm-hmm. out there, getting outside of my comfort zone, right? Doing fucking new shit, diligently recording it, fucking like doing that's actual stand up. Yeah, that's the craft. That's the fucking craft, and it was just a fucking shitty time. Well, to, he really to do that. does care about stand up comedy, but I think because of that caring, it, it sometimes it blinds you. You know, and I'm very sensitive to it because I experienced it a lot when I was first starting out where people didn't think that I fit into the mold of what they thought a stand-up would, sure. should be. Sure. You know, so And like, I'm glad that you make that point because, yeah, it was fucking mild. And the fact that I got bent out of shape the way I did is bullshit. And yeah. the fact that, that you know, and, and the, even now I'm starting. But you're such a public figure, too, and your, your, your career has been so controversial. That's why I don't understand why you're so sensitive to criticism because you... You've everything you've done has been chaos. You know you've done so much chaos. I mean, I've, I've just would imagine that so many people have shit on you. I guess I just I don't know. I, I just think that like, I just I, I fucking care about comedy. You know, well, I would I, I fucking... would imagine him saying that to you in person, just because so you know what you're doing is not taken lightly. I would probably smack him. <laughs> I, I really have would have a really hard time with that. Like what doing stand up? What that's not taken lightly? What do you own stand up? You out of your right. fucking mind? <laughs> 
Do you don't like this is what I said to you the other day. Don't you like stand up? If I, I like stand up, I want my fucking mailman to try it. He might be right. funny. Dude, one of the funniest guys <laughs> I ever fucking met was a private detective that I worked for. He lost his license in a DUI and uh, I wound up being his driver. And uh, I, he needed a driver. He needed an assistant, in quotes. But really what he needed is a guy to drive him around because he lost his license for six months or something like that. So I worked for him for like six months. I drove him around. He was the funniest fucking guy I ever met in my life. And while I was doing stand-up, I, I think I was 21 at the time. And I think he was probably 35, 36. I was like, this guy just did stand-up. He would fucking put me out of business. That's all I could think of is like, if this guy went into stand-up, you know, meanwhile, he was a man. He had experienced life. I was a boy, right? But everybody that you like that wants to do stand-up, you should encourage them to do it. Like my friend Brendan Schaub, he does stand-up. And, yeah. and he faces the same shit. People are like, this fucking guy, he's doing stand-up. Right. Bullshit. I, I, I heard about... So, uh, Eric very Griffin. similar, very similar. Eric Griffin so, shit on him, but I. But Eric was just being funny, and I said to him, "I go, of course they're gonna shit on you. You're a big handsome gorilla, and you're he on is stage. Shockingly good looking. He's a good looking fella. <laughs> handsome fella. And he's and what a great dude. He's too. a great guy, and he's funny. He's right. fucking funny. And I told him he should do stand up. He's smart. He's very and smart. Quick and, 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 and he works hard. Yeah. He's been doing stand up a year, and he's killing. He sure. does. He does really well. I mean, mm -hmm. I saw him the other night at the comedy store, sandwiched in between me and Swimming Dane Cook. Swimming with sharks. Yes. <laughs> Swimming with sharks. Right. He was doing a real show, like at a real show, and he had a real good set. Dane Cook helped me a lot, man. I know he's a polarizing figure, but when I when I first uh, I said that when I got into stand up in earnest, because. Back in 2006, I, I, I was like, man, I, should, I, I really like this, you know? I tried it. I got on stage for a few minutes that first night, and, and people, the sense I got was that people were excited to see me. They, they were rooting for me. They wanted me to do well. For some reason, like, like uh, I'm, I, I can be endearing to people, and they're rooting for me. And, and I got a few laughs, you know? I made a couple of fucking gay jokes, whatever, like, <laughs> you know? And, uh, and, and before I left the Laugh Factor that night, I scheduled my return. And, and, and before I came back, I wrote, I wrote a set, and I came back, and it went reasonably well, and I was thrilled. Then I got overconfident. I was like, oh, well, I'm just good at stand-up. So I fucking come <laughs> back again, and don't even, I don't try to work on the fucking act I had written. I'm like, no, I'm going to do fucking, I just got to go up and wing it. And I bombed, and it hurt, mm. you know? It hurt. And then I bombed again. And then I was like scared to get back to it, and I was out of control with drugs, so like I was really just it wasn't the time. Now, once I got sober in rehab, then like going to bars, going to nightclubs, that's just that's not on the table anymore. You right. know, like you gotta you gotta ask yourself, do you have a reason to go there? And I didn't have any fucking reason, but I had every reason to go to a comedy club. So that became like my go-to thing at night, you know, like from going with the, going out with a girl, right. going out, you know, it's like a thing. I got a reason to be there and I go to the comedy club. And so I'm sitting in the comedy club in, in my early sobriety and we're looking at the stage thinking, motherfucker, I should be on that stage. I should be on that stage. But I was like scared, you know. And then as the, the press machine was, that wasn't even real. Like this is the first thing I even did ostensibly to promote Jackass 3D was this young Hollywood interview. And they said, oh, Dane Cook's in there. Just go barge into his interview. It'll be great. So I walk into Dane Cook's interview and I, and, uh, I meet him and I'm like, hey, dude, like, uh, you know, I've dabbled in stand up and I want to get serious about it. I want to really dive in. And fucking to his credit, man, he said, cool. He said, let's do it. I'll give you my number. We'll get you on stage at the at the improv like uh, in, in a week. And he gave me his number, and I fucking wrote, and I wrote, I wrote that whole fucking week. And I went and I fucking practiced that shitty little, uh, 
the open mic Marty's. It's hilarious. You wouldn't even know about it. Where's Marty's? It, it's uh, it's on Sunset Boulevard, uh, right by Rock and Roll Ralphs. It's oh. it's a hilarious little fucking hole in the wall stand open you know open mic. And I went through, you know sure enough I met Dane Cook at the Improv. He like a dude. It was like two comics after Sarah Silverman, and you know then I go on, and then Dane goes on, and right after Dane set. He sat down with me and fucking gave me notes. And the first thing he said was, I'm not sending you back to the drawing board, which was like his way of saying that the material I did like wasn't, like don't rewrite, like it's good. He's just worried about your delivery and your timing. And from there I went to the fucking two nights later, I'm at the Laugh Factor, Dane's there. It was just like, he took me under his wing, you know, like just like with regularity. He'd go and, and I'd go and he'd go or the other way around. And he'd sit me down and give me notes. And that put so much fucking wind in my sails. That's awesome. I'm really grateful to Dane Cook for that. Oh, play the music. <laughs> Are hermaphrodites real? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I got the info on that. So oh, yeah, uh, what's up with the hermaphrodites? They're real. They changed the name to intersex a couple years ago. So, like, the medical terminology was changed. So, is there such a thing as having a dick and a pussy? Yeah, so there's, uh, here's all the stats on which is born with which, and there's different One in 1,666 births. So I don't know which is actually the... Androgen insensitivity syndrome. Both parts, hmm. but... Uh, so they don't necessarily use the term hermaphrodites. Right, yeah. It's so still used to, like in biology. Oh, I see. So when it comes to... Oh, so there's like a list of... It looks like there's like 30 of them. How many are there? 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13. It is when referring to humans, I think they stopped using that word. Because it made people feel bad? Probably. <sighs> Jesus Christ. So, complete gonadal digenesis. Ooh. One in 150,000. That can't be good. <laughs> alpha reductase deficiency, five alpha reductase deficiency, vaginal agenesis. Imagine vagin vaginal agenesis. That feel, it sounds like you have an old pussy. You're born, I'm sorry, your baby was born with an old pussy. <laughs> you look down, it's like an old floppy grandma <laughs> pussy. Yeah, the, I don't even the, want to know what that is. Put that away. Benjamin, but, <laughs> yeah, but only your vagina. <laughs> well, ah. Could be worse things. Your face is cute. <laughs> there. So there are hermaphrodites. There are people that are born with a vagina. And a, right. I, I, but Google, are, is there people that are born with both a vagina and a penis? Are people born with both a vagina and a penis? Because there was too many medical terms there. I don't know which one of those would apply. Right, it's kind of like with uh, with little people. And I hate that fucking term. Well, the thing about Dr. Drew is he's an addiction specialist, right? So he, how much does he even know about this stuff? I mean, how much did he right. really learn about this stuff? And he's also an addiction specialist who erroneously says that marijuana is hugely addictive, which is just ridiculous. Well, I... Dude, I I used to fucking used to do it a lot. I'm sure. Well, but yeah, here's the thing, dude. Like, I uh, at one point um, I was I was sort of house sitting for this this chick, and you know I, I humped a, a strange chick in her bed and tied the rubber in a knot, which I would do, you know, and tied the rubber in a knot and threw it on the floor. Her fucking dog ate the rubber. Right and like okay. and um, and it was her boyfriend's dog and I'm thinking oh no the fucking dog maybe took the rubber throw up the rubber and right like it took the dog took the fucking rubber for like a victory lap and it's gonna drop and it's gonna look terrible for this girl so I'm like following the dog around ultimately the dog shitted out and it was hilarious but I felt bad because like you know I basically it's kind of like sodomizing the dog <laughs> you know, a little right. bit right okay and and so then I I felt like to make it up to the dog. 
You can I, get the dog high. When I owe it, I owe it to the dog to do it myself. And I'm like, because this is a funny bit. Like, to what swallow am I gonna... a condom full right. of a load in it. Wow, that would. What does really this have to do funny. with pot? I, but that would be really funny. But I, I got it in my head. I'm going to swallow a condom. But then I was like, okay, cool. When I'm on tour in when I'm on tour in Europe, I'll, I'll fucking put weed in the condom, tie it in a knot, and I'll, it'll be like a skit where I film. It's an international drug smuggler skit. I'll do it right. in one country and I'll fly to the other country and shit it out. Right. And uh, and I did it. It was this fucking saga. I actually have a fucking epic like. Uh, there's a huge like tentpole bit in my standup right now about that whole. I got arrested for international drug smuggling and. Sweden. Um, did you? I did. It was fucking epic. It's so classic, dude. It's because of great, swallowing a condom full of pot? It's the greatest fucking story ever, dude. It's so fucking awesome. Yeah. I, I like it, it. Yeah. It, it was. It, I spent. How'd some, you get caught? Because I had fucking told the the press. Like, I was like, you know, I, at first I, I did it. It was so. I did it so big that when I tried to fucking swallow it, it got stuck in my throat. <gasps> and I was trying to freaking the fuck out. And I'm trying, you know. Like I, and then I fly. I fly from Norway to Sweden, and uh, you know Knoxville told me I was. Gonna How fuck. big was the nug? Dude, I didn't even take. I didn't even break the buds off the stem. <laughs> <laughs> so you just swallowed a branch, a branch of a fucking Dude. tree, <laughs> and, and it had a fucking rock of hash in there too. And oh I put, Jesus! And I, and in the I, same condom? Yeah. And so I, you swallowed a dick. <laughs> yeah, he funny. basically That's swallowed one of the a jokes. pot dick. That's one of the jokes. Is that deep oh. throating the Incredible Hulk? <laughs> Oh no! Like, right. show me in your fingers how yeah. big this thing was. The, you swallowed. It, it, it was. Uh, I don't know. I mean, I have it's on video, and that's it for my next comedy special. It's on video. Yeah, they filmed everything. It was. I was filming it for my for my DVD at the is time. Is it online? Uh, I'm. I'm sure it probably is. But what's what, what's so I'm so excited about my next comedy special is that so many of the stories I tell in my stand up are things that happened on camera originally. Right. So I'm editing into editing into the fucking actual stand up, kind of like you do with the podcast, like supporting foot archival footage. Right. Which just demonstrates that that everything is not truthful. only not truthful. It's it's not only truthful. It's not even embellished. Right. It's like it's like a hundred percent. And so like. And I'm just so excited to do that. Um, yeah, that's oh it, Oh, my dude. God. Yeah. Wait a minute. It's hard to tell because of it's the perspective. Where's your fingers? It's a bad video, uh, too. It, it's, uh, it, well, it was well, fucking well, play, huge. play it so they can see yeah, that's it. That's where I'm swallowing it's it. Just it's just a quick in, clip. Yeah. Oh, no, you can see yeah, it right there. it's fucking massive. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, you swallowed could, that? Yeah, it got stuck in my throat. Oh, dude, it's so ridiculous. <laughs> For fe people that are looking, it's like basically like a, an eight-year-old's right fist. It's it's totally stuck in my throat. Oh my god! And I'm throwing up blood. I'm trying to. I was trying to swallow oh, to get it to go down. You're throwing up blood. Uh, yeah, oh, this I, is so crazy. So you scraped the to, inside of your body up. I was trying to swallow it. It wouldn't go down. I'm trying to barf. It wouldn't. Go, it wouldn't come up. Oh no! And so I fly to fucking Sweden because, like, why? <laughs> my buddies are like, we got to take you to the Did hospital. Did you shit that out ever? It took six and a half days. Oh I called up Knoxville. God. And Knox was like, dude, you're going to die of intestinal strangulation because it's fucking going to block up my intestines. Oh, my God, dude. And whatever. Like, I'm sorry. It took, it took days to come out. And when it came out, man, you must be oh, so dude, my happy. My asshole exploded, dude. Uh, uh, that's the funny. I don't want to tell all my jokes on the, okay. on the fucking podcast because that's fucking lame. But It's a big, important part of the... Dude, there's, there's, it's, it's fucking the best bit. I love it. You know, I mean, I've, I've, I'm, I'm proud of what I'm doing on stage. But, so you um, are you saying that... Pot is well, okay, addictive. That, that, that was how I got in. That was how I first did it. Then right. I realized, okay, 
because filming Wild Boys, every right. time we would, like, I, I would freak the fuck out whenever we went to the Far East because you know you're not going to be able to find weed, and that's not okay. So I, any time I went to anywhere where I wasn't com- confident I would be able to get weed, I sat there with my, before going to the airport, I sat there with my fucking weed grinder and just grind it up like a, a ton and and i fucking compacted it so you know it's i broke the buds off the stems you know right. and then i would i would fill up i'd put about like an eighth in each condom whatever nice and small I'd pack it up and i would swallow like six of them you know really oh yeah i would fucking, so when you swallowed those how long did it take to shit those, those ones up? those ones would come out quick. Those, like how one, quick those ones would come out in and i don't know like one to two days <laughs> Like uh, something like that. How many and times do you swallow condoms? Every dude, I went when I went to Thailand. Like even when I went to Russia. Like uh, dad, like, it was my fucking thing. I was like, that like, was your thing. What, Shitting out your pot that you would smoke. Yeah, like uh, <laughs> yeah, and there's there's so many. Remember when you lit it? Did it ever smell like a condom? It never smelled like a condom. No. Wow. But dude, there's, there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of funny in that. But <laughs> I, I'm sure there is. But that's like, that's a psychological issue. It's not like physical addiction is what we're talking oh, about. Okay. Then, like then, people well, then get physically addicted to alcohol to the point like alcohol is of one course. of the most dangerous physical oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. addictions because when when you get off DTs. of it, you die from it. Sure. Like that's how Amy Winehouse died. Like a lot of people think she died uh, from drugs. She actually died because she went cold turkey off of alcohol. I believe that. Yeah, it kills people. You know how I know that I'm a fucking true drug addict? Is that I I watched that documentary, Amy. Yeah. And as I walked out of the fucking theater, I was like, fuck, man, I want to get high. (laughs) 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 That's That's so crazy. That was the least glamorous portrayal of drug addiction ever. Ever. And it just looked great to me. I was like, Uh, oh, my God, fuck that. that, that, Well, (laughs) there's no no (laughs) mistaking the fact that somehow or another that what she was doing with her life, whether or not you could say that it was the drugs or the state of mind that she was in when she was taking the drugs, she produced some fucking amazing yeah. music, man. Right. She just, she tapped into it, whatever it is, like that. If she wasn't the hottest chick, like, you know, you know that someone's talented when they're not that hot of a chick and they're a fucking huge star for singing. Oh, yeah. No, she was super <laughs> talented. She was, yeah. but, I mean, there's a lot of not hot chicks like Adele. She's, they, who you know, else? Um, I mean, you could, you, I'm sure you could find some other ones. <laughs> I've never really sat exactly. down and thought about it. Exactly. It's kind of a rule. You're supposed to be really hot and right. be able to sing. Mm, yeah, I guess so. Yeah. yeah I'm trying to think, think like- Amy Winehouse and Adele. That's unfortunate, isn't it? It's bullshit, yeah. For a girl, right? That's gotta suck. Right? Oh, Feeling you know who really else- talented? Um, it's like what dicks we are. <laughs> but Sia. Who's that? Sia's not super hot and she's- I don't know, know who that is. She, um- is a hugely popular singer. I'm so out of the loop. Yeah. I'm that old man who doesn't know what the fuck's going on with hey, the young kids it, today. Man. These I, fucking I, kids today. <laughs> I get it, dude. He had to tell me that little Bow Wow fakes, the fact that he was on a, a, a jet, a private jet. Oh, I was like, who the hell's a little Bow Wow? Well, he said that he's, now. he said it was his jet, and that's what he got he busted. He said he was flying on a private jet, and someone was actually on a commercial flight with him and took a picture of him because they saw it on Instagram. This motherfucker's full of shit. He's right in front of me. That's so fucking classic. That's, that's exactly like that dude Bear Grylls. Yes, very that's similar. That's the same yeah. fucking thing. Well, it's actually worse. He's like the Bear Grylls. It's like he, he set up his tent like Ferris Bueller with the yeah. mannequin. <laughs> Well, well, the the bow wow thing is indicative of an entire culture. 
Sure. That's just all about like showing off your flashy of shit and like yeah. showing that, you know, we're balling here. We're balling. Right. And I, I was watching a fucking documentary, a Vice documentary on YouTube about uh, Bay Area hip hop. And the whole thing is they're like, they're, they're talking about how it's such a fucking travesty that all the tech money came in and, and the area got gentrified. Mm -hmm. And the whole thing is they're like, our land got gentrified, and the, the and the rap artists talk about it, but they're like, and I got millions, you know, like it doesn't it doesn't jive. You can't be complaining about gentrification and talking about your millions, yeah. how you're balling, yeah, <laughs> right. Well, not all hip hop does that, you know. There's like some it, socially but, conscious but in hip hop the documentary. They were doing yeah. it. oh, they were doing <laughs> yeah. it. That's so stupid. They're complaining. They complain yeah. that these people that make the fucking very electronics they need to make their music, right. Right. Came in and yeah. I had, man, I had a terrible time in San Francisco. I San Francisco's a trip. It's, I got my car broken into. It was I parked it outside of a fucking vegetarian restaurant. Granted, in the Tenderloin. <laughs> yeah. Tenderloin's terrible. I it's know, terrible area. but it was fucking noon. It was right? noon, and, and, and I parked it right outside the restaurant, and they fucking smashed Smash my window. And, and then for the rest of the weekend, I was at Cobb's Comedy Club. The rest of the weekend, every single person I said, "Yeah, I got my fucking window smashed, my shit stolen out of my car." Every person I mentioned that to said, "Yeah, that happened to me too." <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of. And that's starting to happen in L.A. too, man. Well, it's always happened well, in like, L.A. Well, like West Hollywood, there, the smash and grab is becoming more... But, but, dude, in San Francisco, it's the worst. But it's always happened. There's always been broke people that break into people's cars, especially if you leave anything, like, really obvious in the front seat. It's visible. visible it's dude, it was a, something. Dude, I was the biggest score that whoever broke into my car. Get? Dude, I had my super pack. I was getting ready to go fucking film. My super pack is like... Plus, I had all the merch money from selling fucking merch. You left it all in your car? Well, I was going to film, and I didn't even fucking think about it, dude. There was like dude, Wait a minute. You didn't think that you were going to park in one of the shittiest neighborhoods in all of California with a really valuable... Yes. Okay, yes, Joe. Yes. Well, you're saying it like it's... Like, it's, uh, like wow, it's so weird. <laughs> okay, Joe. <laughs> I'm dumb. But okay. it I hit my head a lot, Joe. Okay. <laughs> People don't know how bad the tenderloin is. I, I don't. I didn't know how bad it was. I know and a guy for, got murdered for, there. And for me, like, I'm like, dude, what could happen outside of a spiritual fucking vegetarian restaurant? Oh Jesus, a lot. That's a lot of <laughs> hippies. Right outside the window. Plus, plus, we sat and sitting next to. The, we sat by the window so as to see the car in our line of vision. And it's still and got somehow broken into. <laughs> yeah. How is that possible? Yeah, I don't know. Spaced dude. out. Yeah, San Francisco <laughs> is a weird place now because, like, the money that you have to spend to buy a house there is so crazy that yeah. it doesn't even make sense anymore. Right. Like, they there was a house that was for sale for over a million dollars, and it was a fucking tiny, shitty shack that had to be torn down. I mean, there was, like, literally nothing there. And people were like, this is the most piece of ridiculous real estate in all of North America. Right. It's all that tech money. I lived there when I was a kid. I lived there from age 7 to 11. I used to do well, a magic right. show you on Fisherman's Wharf when I was 8 years old. Yeah, I think you were telling me that you were uh, at Cobb, or you were talking with uh, Al about it. About what? About yeah, we Cobb. worked at Cobb's together. Yeah. yeah, but I used to live there when I was a little kid. And it was mm -hmm. just, you know, this was during the Vietnam War. It was like hippie time. It was weird. It was just all uh, hippies and gay people. And it was... Uh, you know, that was what San Francisco was forever until this tech boom. And now it's just fucking insane money. If you ever go on, like, I go on, like, that uh, app Trulia. It's like a real estate sure. app. And I go, what are, mm -hmm. like, what kind of houses they have in Seattle? Like, let's look at houses just for a goof. Sure. You look at San Francisco and you're like, what is 14 million by you in San Francisco? Holy shit, are you getting fucked?
Right. Like our regular house is like 14 million bucks. West Vancouver is pretty fucked up too. So a lot of tech money up there too. I don't know. I don't know what it is, but it's, it's tech money for whatever reason. I guess it's just because you know everybody uses tech and just just ton, tons of money in it. Right. But those guys just seem to figure out a way to make more money than anybody. There's so much money in San Francisco though. It's crazy. Right. I know. So you had a bad time in San Francisco because you parked your car in the Tenderloin with a lot of money <laughs> and a lot of electronics. Yeah, a lot of electronics. Yeah. Like yeah. Laptop, iPad, fucking 70D, every lens, oof. three grand in cash. <laughs> oof, 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 oof. Are you doing, um, so you're doing like these shows, are you filming them? Is that why you're bringing all this electronics? Um, sometimes, yeah. And sometimes I'm just filming for whatever YouTube, you know. Now, you did your Showtime special that was, what, a year and a half ago or so? Yeah, it was uh, the end of 2015, and then it aired in March of 2016. Yeah, because I remember you getting in touch with me saying you need someone to choke you out in Texas. I'm like, right. I know the guy. Yeah, I fucking love Tim Kennedy. <laughs> and yeah, I'm so thrilled with how my fucking special came out on Showtime. Oh, that's awesome. I'm really fucking thrilled Can people with it. get it somewhere other than Showtime? Is it available on Netflix uh, or any of those things? I had um, uh, the Showtime, Showtime On Demand, and then Vimeo. And, uh, oh, it was on Vimeo? Yeah, I think that, that uh, it, was, it was, I guess that it, it was tied up for two years before it can go on Netflix, so. Oh, so is it available now? Not yet. Not yet. So Not soon? Yet. Yeah. That's cool. I'm, yeah. th I'm fucking stoked on, on, on how that came out. Are you going to do like, another one? Yeah, dude. Like I said, man, I'm working on, uh, working on doing a comedy special where I edit in archival footage, which is, sort of makes it a docu-comedy special. Which I, which I love. Do uh, people, are people born that have a penis and a vagina? Have we figured that out? <laughs> That's what I was looking up. Uh, <clears throat> I, yes and no, I would say, hmm. after what I was reading. Most of the hermaphrodite comes from having like uh, ovaries and testicles that are maybe, right. you have both at the same time. There's uh, pseudo-hermaphrodites. Hmm. Or also true hermaphrodites, and there's some sort of so a true hermaphrodite is someone who has both genitals. Yeah, this is the best. Why isn't it a picture? True hermaphrodites' <laughs> internal sex organs contain it, both ovarian and testicular <laughs> tissue. In some cases, that means that a ball on one side and ovary on the other. In others, it means hybrid beasties known as ovite. Oh, oh my God, ovatestes. To the naked eye, their external genitals tend to be iffy. Maybe it's a big clit. Perhaps it's is a it teeny weeny. No, it's just scientific. <laughs> this is a scientific document. Perchance it's some unholy pino-vaginal mismatch. Pseudo-hermaphrodites have the chromosomal and Ooh, internal sex organs of one gender while the external protuberances are, again, anyone's guess. Hmm. Photo. Click that. Mm-hmm. Nothing? Oh. Whoa. Oh. That's a hardcore clip. Okay. That's, that makes sense. That is a hermaphrodite, right? That's got to be. This page also has something called a, there's a Dude, double vagina. The, the clit is an anteater. What did you say? <laughs> a double, a double vagina? vagina? Double penis. And then there's this thing down at the bottom I found, which is this. Never heard of this. Persistent clo cloaca. One in wow. 20,000 female verse. Vagina and, vagina and urethra coverage converge into one nauseating funnel-like drainage hole located somewhere in the taint area between the clitoris and the buttocks. <laughs> Poop, pee, and vaginal sludge mingle freely. Corrective surgery is costly, complicated, and risky. Don't click on that photo. Yeah, um, what about the double vagina photo? Click on that bitch. Let's see what the <laughs> fuck's going on up in that. Oh, Jesus. There's one next to the other one. Whoa. Why does it look like that? It looks like a chicken. 
Yeah, well, that's uh, like an autopsy. Film. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's not good. Yeah, that's that's when it fun. didn't work out. Um, let's go with the double penis. Let me see a double penis picture. Is that real? And this isn't one of those dudes that slices it. That's a crit. That micro penis <laughs> thing's a bummer, man. Dip, difolia, difolia. Click. Two penises. Oh, it's true. Guys, double dick. No, that's a slice. Yeah, it looks like it's slit. That's a. This is it's this like website's dude... bullshit. Okay. Yeah. 1955 image. <laughs> that's a 1955 that's image. What it says. Oh, okay. So it's not a split. It's just uh, he's just got a broken double dick thing going on. He's peeing out of his clit hole. It's like the lizard dude that cut his tongue. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of people do that. That's real common. Yeah. They're cutting the tongue, cutting the dick. They split their dick down the middle, and then their pee comes out in just a big old splatter. Yeah. yeah. Well, you know, people just, they just do. You That's know? right, man. It's a weird world we live in, Steve-O. Fuck yeah. It's another thing about my comedy special that, that and who knows when I'll Ooh, do it. Oh, that guy's like... got two double dicks, big fatties. <laughs> well, he really does. Maybe you could donate one to a friend with a little dick. <laughs> They do that now. They're doing uh, dick replacement surgeries. Well, like if someone like had an accident or something happened to their dick, they give them a, a penile replacement where they'll uh, someone will die and they'll take his dick and sew it onto you, and it works. You can get an erection and everything. You can feel it. Then they do it for Allegedly. a soldier that got in an explosion. I thought I remember reading that. I do not remember. I remember the the first guy that got it done though. I believe was a fifty year old man, <coughs> and something happened to him. And he, he was dickless for like a year. John Tough Bobbitt. year. Yeah, well, he got his sewed back up. Remember, he, could, yeah. he did porn when it was right. done. I think it was just the head of his dick, huh? She cut it in half. Uh, she basically just slopped the top the off window. it. Yeah, what a terrible While they were woman. Yeah. 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 Oof. Yeah. Oof. I'll never forget, and I didn't even know this was real until somebody explained to me on the show that this actually happened, but uh, Ozzy Osbourne's wife was on some talk show that she was doing for a while, and she was joking around about some woman who cut her husband's dick off and threw it in a garbage disposal. And they were laughing about it. I'm just laughing, thinking about his willy spinning around inside that garbage disposal. And I went, wow, what double standards, what crazy double standards. Because could you imagine a group of men sitting around laughing about a guy cutting off a chick's pussy and throwing it in a garbage disposal? There's, I can't imagine a scenario where you would not only laugh about that, but laugh about it on television and think it's okay. But somehow or another it was okay for her to laugh about a guy losing his dick and having it chopped off and thrown into a fucking garbage disposal. It's a weird, creepy double standard. Right, but at the same time, like if you, if you think like I'm kind of close to this because sometimes people want to make like a, a female version of Jackass, where where girls do like terrible shit and 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 hurt themselves on purpose, mm -hmm. and that just ne that's never gonna work, and it, it boils down to a hormonal thing because like. Men and with testosterone, the idea is that you know we're providers and we're supposed to be like macho and prove that we're tough. And so it it it, it becomes funny to see a guy fail and and get hurt. Like that's funny because right, but not be but, victimized. But with, but with yeah, but with women, eh? they're with women. They're they're maternal. They're nurturers. Right. They're so it's not cool to see them get hurt. You know, it, it, you blur the line a little bit when you, they tied the guy down and cut his dick off and threw it in a garbage disposal. 
this is not like a blurry line here. All right. This is this okay, is okay, Joe. This <laughs> a woman is in jail for the rest of her life because she chopped right. this dude's cock off. All right. Hey, man. It's just I'm just saying it's weird that they thought it was okay to laugh about. It's not. I mean, it's horrific that people do horrific things to each other. It's no more horrific that a woman does it to a man than a man does it to a woman. And people have done horrible shit to women for forever. But it's was never it, was funny. Was it funny? Like, uh, did they make it funny? Because a lot of people no. can make a lot of things funny. She ain't funny. Yeah. Ozzy Osbourne's wife. Not very funny. No, it was just gross. It was just mean. But it was weird that all these women thought it was funny. Like, ha, oh, he lost his dick. Ha, ha, ha. You know, it's like, <laughs> like, whoa. Like, it didn't seem real. But I guess it's also because, like, you know, like what you're saying. It's like there's something funny about a man getting fucked up. A right. man, like, a lot of people feel like that about watching women fighting. There's people that I know that are super uncomfortable yeah, women... with like watching a Yoana and Jacek fight because she beats the fuck out of chicks and bashes their face in and cuts them up. Right. Like, do you watch? Uh, See, I've, be you I've watch become her fight? a major fan of UFC. I really fucking love that shit, and I think it's it's incredible how not only did women be you know I mean Dana White said forever there'll never be women, and then now not only are there women, but they're like the headliners. Yeah, they're the headliners often. Um, this past weekend, it was a co-main event, Joanna Jacek, and it was a real good fight because the woman she was fighting was just tough as fuck, and she took a, a serious beating. But there's a fight that she did, Joanna Jacek, against... Um, see if you pull up the highlights. Jacek versus uh, Jessica Panay. Try spelling her name. Good luck. I don't even know how to spell it. It's so hard to spell her name that people just call her Joanna Champion. They don't even try with her last name because it's like a J and then a Z and then a fucking E and then some... Letters that don't even exist in the English language. But um, she beat this girl up <laughs> so bad that it was, it was fucking disturbing. Oh. I mean, she fucked this girl up. Yeah, She's, I think that's... Uh, yeah, there's a lot of blood in this one, right? Oh, it's horrible. Yeah, well, I the girl just, that one. just did not belong... In the ring with her. I mean, in the cage with and her. And she's from um, Poland. Sorry, Holland. Poland. Uh, Poland? Yeah. Multiple-time world Muay Thai champion. She was, before she ever got into MMA, she was one of the best strikers on the planet. And <clears throat> if you go, like, deep into the fight, she just pecks her apart for the first couple of rounds. And then by the time you're deep in the round, she's just a mask of blood. And Johanna is just beating the fuck out of her and smashing her in the face with elbows and cutting her up. And then the final barrage when she... When they stop the fight, like, you see blood pouring out of her nose. It's coming out. And the girl, Jessica Panay, all due credit to her, that girl is tough as fuck. Like, look at this. She is a mask of blood and swelling. And Yon Jacek is just a fucking demon. She's just kicking at her and smashing her in the face. <laughs> and the face. blood on her face is, comes from the other girl. Oh, yeah. Well, she probably got hit a few times herself. I mean, it was a fight. I'm sure she got scratched and cut a little bit. I mean, there's just no... If she got hit at all, which I'm sure she did, but look at that, that these short elbows, like look oh at that girl's God, face. Yeah. I mean, it's just, and you see also that she's just having a hard time taking it. And this is the final barrage. She steps forward and elbows her in the face and just beats the shit out of her. And uh, I had some friends that were watching this that weren't MMA fans and they were like, fuck this. I can't watch this. Like, look at this. Bang. Bang. Look at that. Now this final barrage. Oh, no way, uh, dude. Um, what? But I just had a lot of thoughts all in the same time, like thinking, man, like what, what an honor to sit next to Joe Rogan as he essentially commentates a fight. <laughs> <You> know, like, <laughs> like a lot of people would want to do that. And then, I, and then I was just thinking, oh, you know, like I'm such a fan of yours, you know, and I don't want to kiss you. I'm a fan of yours, too. Well, thank you, man. I'm, I'm a fucking big fan. Well, we're fan. friends. 
We don't but, really have yeah. to talk like we're fans of each other. We're well, just buddies. Right. Thank you. Okay. Um, then I thought, fuck, did this one coming up is in Anaheim. Yeah. The one where uh, Cormier and John Jones. Yeah. And yeah. What, what an exciting fucking thing. It is. How, how do I... Uh, you want to go? Yeah. Okay. Oh, dude, you're the man. You're hooked up. That's it. I fucking love Dude, I'll have you sitting right next to me. My right dad's there. gonna be in town too. My dad's gonna yeah. be staying with oh, me. Oh, dude, well, I'll give you two tickets. One for your dad. Come oh, on, son. fucking cool. You dude. and your dad. Oh, I want to meet your dad. I want to. I want to hear dad's... about the story when you were 13. You went to Motley Crue with him. Dude, that, that, <laughs> my dad's got. That's not. That wouldn't even be a priority for him. I don't think. That's it's awesome. Man. Great. That's cool. Ah, oh, dude, I'm so excited. I wanted to ask too, like, you know, for all the shit talking, people have to promote the fights. Mm -hmm. You know. But like Daniel Cormier and John Jones, mm -hmm. no matter who wins the end of the fight, they're going to shake each other's hand, right? I hope so. Is I hope so. Is it common, like what we saw with Ronda Rousey not shaking Misha? How do you fucking armbar somebody? They tap out and then they get up and go to shake your hand and you won't do it. Like that. Well, I think that mentality that Ronda has is like a, a she's a, like, She's mercenary in there. I mean, and it wasn't over when it was over to her. She, for her, it wasn't a competition. It was life. It was, it was life or death. I don't know, man. I mean, that same thing is probably why she's not fighting anymore. You know, like her animosity and her emotions were so riding on that thing. And then when she lost, and then when she lost again in devastating fashion, that's also the reason why there was so much backlash. Whereas a, a right. someone who's really loved, like Randy Couture, Randy Couture would lose a fight and no one talked, I mean, I'm sure someone talked trash about him, but no one's opinion of him differed when he lost because he's such a good guy. And right. because when, when he won, you know, after the fight, he would always pick the guy up and shake their hand and hug them. And he was always a gentleman. And when people have that sort of a mentality, you know, like, here's a perfect example. This past weekend, Dustin Poirier and Eddie Alvarez had a fight, and the fight was stopped um, because of an illegal blow that Eddie Alvarez accidentally landed on Dustin Poirier, and the crowd was booing Eddie Alvarez, and Dustin Poirier yelled at the crowd, don't boo this man. Like, we were in a fight, and he's not a dirty fighter, and he made a mistake. And it ha like First of all, Eddie Alvarez's eye was closed. He could barely see. He was completely on Queer Street. He had been almost knocked unconscious, and he, and he hit this dude in the clinch with a couple of knees, and the referee didn't stop him, and he thought they were legal. You know, he's in the chaos of a crazy cage fight. But th to have those two dudes after the fight, both are bloody and battered. Both of them are just like exhausted from a war, right? And I'm interviewing the both of them side by side and to have Dustin Poirier step in to defend Eddie Alvarez who just need him illegally in the face telling the crowd, don't boo this man. Like he was literally upset. And then right. they shook hands. There's something beautiful about that. And yeah. I think people, to me, people like the animosity, but they also really like the fact when the animosity is squashed after the fight and people hug it out. They For really sure. do like that. Yeah, and I think that there's, I think that there's a parallel with uh, comedians who don't want to accept other comedians. Yeah, and then I think so too. And then there's you who's just not insecure and wants more fucking comedy. Well, I love comedy, you know, and I love comedians. There's some comedians that want to be the only person that's funny, and they also bring people that suck with them on the road. That's one oh, thing you see. I, I can't stand it. Oh, them. that's so common. Guys will, they, they stack the deck. They'll bring someone on the road with them that's terrible. I try to bring the funniest young guys I can find. Ian Edwards. Yeah, Ian, and this weekend, Tony and Ian. Those guys are national headliners, you know, And I, but I bring both of them on the road with me. I had and Joey one, Diaz. And, I had one show in uh, uh, November 2011, and it was my first <clears throat> theater show in L.A. And this was like, I'm going to have everybody that matters to me, like, every, you know, 
and and, uh, and and I asked Ian Edwards to open for me. That's and, awesome. And uh, I was fucking stoked. He's an animal. I was just so stoked that he even did it, and I loved that he's so much better than me. He's a really fucking good guy too. He's another guy that like he spent too much time doing other things other than doing stand-up <clears throat> and this is one of the things that I always tell comics like you got to be careful of those honeypot jobs like uh, writing for a show like a lot of really good comics wind up losing their stand-up careers because they develop a writing career and they they, they like Ian should be a national headliner in big theaters all over sure. the world he really all over the country and all over the world he really should be he's that good but because of the fact that he spent so much time writing on sitcoms, he didn't tour enough and he didn't put out enough material. Like, he only has one CD out. He's been doing comedy as long as me. Ian Edwards and I started doing comedy together in 1990. That's when I met him. I met him in 1990 or 91 in New York. And I've known him forever. He's that was when I made my first video, it was 1990. Wow. Yeah. It's a long time, man. Fuck yeah, dude. But, yeah. My thoughts are that we should, I mean, if you like, like, everybody gets into comedy because they love it, right? That's why you get into it. You want, you, you want to watch, you know, you see a guy like, you know, Dice Clay or Kinnison or Pryor or whoever it is that inspired you and you see them, Kevin Hart, you know, name your, per, your person. You see them and you want to, you're like, wow, that was awesome. I want to see that guy again, you know, and you want to go see comedy. And that's why, that's why I got into it, like to, to to get into it, and then all of a sudden to want to be the only one who's funny is crazy to me. It doesn't even make any sense. And to not like the other comedians, it's just like you're robbing yourself of inspiration. But there's a lot of comics like that. They won't watch the other comedians. They don't want to see them. And when the comics are doing good, they get upset. You know, they're right. like, light them early, light them early. Like I've seen people say it's, that. It's before. it's it's totally a question of of being insecure. It definitely is. It's also. I think it's it's a it's a famine mindset and the famine mindset mm -hmm. is this mindset like there can only be one like you can only be it can only all come to me it has to all come to me like no one else can but it's no what was that Snoop Dogg song song it's no fun if the homies can't have some <laughs> <laughs> but, but it's true you don't right. want to be the only one who's doing well that's crazy it's just not a good thinking it's not a good way of thinking rather right and fuck I'm excited for for uh Anaheim. <laughs> oh, you're going to have a good time. It's a great card, too, as it, as it stands right now. There's a lot of issues, um, like, getting these cards to actually show, like, to play out because guys get injured, you yeah, know. Or they get disqualified or... Yeah, but, I mean, when you're getting to, yeah, they get caught doing something, but... Yeah, I watched you... that, the, sorry for interrupting, that I watched that Hurt Business documentary on Netflix. With I Daniel, haven't seen that. Daniel Cormier, the fucking, like, um... With, with his knee injury and he's trying mm -hmm. to get healthy again and yeah. fuck that documentary is intense I haven't dude. seen it I you gotta go, watch go it, it dude out. it's so incredible like the way I mean almost like the focus of it is okay we're gonna spotlight like a, a number of these personalities from the UFC and really show just how fucking tragic it is they put so much into it and then the, you know they have their careers for whatever it's worth and then when it's all said and done they just got nothing to fucking show for it and it's just so fucking tragic well you can't think that you're gonna have something to show for it that's the thing if you're right. lucky and you become a conor mcgregor who's like one in a million or you become you know a george st pierre who retires as the champion you're you're really really unusual but for everyone else, you have to do it because you love doing it. Of course. And if you do it because you love doing it and that's what you want to do, then you should do it. And you will make a lot of money if you're successful. But there's this thing that people have where they see a guy like Floyd Mayweather and they say, well, hey, 
Boxers make millions of dollars. Look, Floyd Mayweather made hundreds of millions of dollars. No, 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 no. Floyd Mayweather makes hundreds of millions of dollars, not boxers. Sure, like sure. Gernady Golovkin, who's one of the best boxers in the world, he can't even sell 200,000 pay-per-views. Like his last pay-per-view buy, I think, was like 150,000, which is insanely low to the point where, like, it's very difficult for promoters to even get behind him unless he's fighting someone like Canelo Alvarez, which is his next fight. <clears throat> well, he'll make some money in that fight, but guarantee you he ain't making very good money like with 150,000 pay-per-views and he's a multiple-time world champion and like a fantastic amateur fighter and one of the best in the world. It's about being a star and a promoter is not responsible to give a fighter a bunch of money if they're not earning a bunch of money. It's a business and the business is people want to pay to see you. Why do they want to see you? Do they want to see you because you trash talk or do they want to see you because you're Anderson Silva and you fight like you're in the Matrix or do they want to see you because you're Ronda Rousey and you're the first ever woman ass kicker that we've ever seen right. like this? Well, whatever reason it is that they want to see you, that reason is why you can make a shit ton of money. It's not that you just deserve a shit ton of money because it's hard to do. Right. And that's where, but a lot of people get it's that wrong business. in their head. They get that wrong in their right. head. Well, it's show business, but it's also athletics. Uh -huh. So it's a very bizarre combination of two worlds. Do you think that Conor McGregor is doing a disservice to himself by putting so much like attention on, like just putting his whole UFC career on hold for this Mayweather thing? No. Um, because... Ultimately, he can only fight for so long and he stands to win like who knows how much money I mean he can make it could be as much as a hundred million dollars for the fight It's gonna be insane asking a guy to pass up on the opportunity to make a hundred million dollars is kind of crazy that said He's fighting you You're know boxing. If he wins, what if no, he loses? no, no, it doesn't matter. He's not the way boxing works is you get a, a purse, you know, like mm -hmm. the way UFC works is different and often criticized and I think rightly so is that you have a win money and a show money. So say if you were going to fight Jamie and they set it up where you uh, you fight, you make $50,000 to show and then another 50 if you win. A lot of people have a real hard time with that. And I think they should because you're doing your best. You're giving your best performance regardless of whether or not you win. No one's going to fight harder I don't think, at least, to, to get that win bonus. These guys are trying to win. They're fucking gladiators. You know? I mean, I think you should have a purse, and that should be what you get paid, and you fight your best. And that's what you get paid. Like, this idea that you're, that's double is going to, you know, you're going to come your way if, if you get the judge's nod. Meanwhile, the judges get shit wrong all the time. And to have your future, like, have $50,000 or $100,000, or who knows what the number is, on the line due to someone else's interpretation of it or you can get injured and wind up losing or anything can happen like I think that's kind of fucked up the thing about the Conor McGregor well, Floyd Mayweather I mean, fight if, if, if it's tennis you get the money if you win yeah but that's different first of all it's not a fight okay because <laughs> uh -huh. like you can play a tennis match every weekend try fighting every weekend you'd right. be dead in a month you know, like here it is. U.S. President, yeah, they agreed to sign a deal with Floyd Mayweather. That doesn't mean anything. Because Floyd Mayweather hasn't agreed to it. The deal hasn't been negotiated. Connor has agreed. So that's what that means. But here's the deal. Let's be honest about this as much as possible. This is a boxing match between Conor McGregor, a guy who's never had a real professional boxing match, who's a really good amateur boxer in, our, in Ireland, who's a, a real multiple division world champion combat sports fighter. No doubt about that. But, and a striker. No doubt about that. But... He's fighting one of the best boxers, if not the best boxer ever. Most likely, this is not going to work out well for him, if you had to guess. <laughs>
That's my honest take on it. The right. only way it could work out well is if C Floyd takes him lightly, Connor clips him, Connor mugs him, Connor does some like old school Bernard Hopkins shit, like just ties him up, roughs him up inside the clinch, hits him with some real hard shots, or or does something fucked up to him. I mean, who knows? Headbots him. I mean, that's what Victor Ortiz tried to do to him. I guess you can also say that. Um that uh, he doesn't really stand there. It's it's win win for Connor because if he loses, of yeah. course he was going to lose. Yeah, and also Floyd is not a vicious puncher. Floyd's he not Canelo. No, he never was. You don't think? No, no, he never was. He he is an amazing boxer, but he has very brittle hands. He breaks his hands a lot, and he can knock you out like he knocked out Victor Ortiz. But he knocked out Victor Ortiz because he was just standing in front of him. He knocked out Ricky Hatton, who was a smaller fighter, but he doesn't knock out most guys. He stuns them. He sticks them with some hard shots. But Connor's got a really good chin, and he's a much bigger guy. So the odds are, if even if Connor gets worked, he's just going to get outboxed for 12 rounds and, and get embarrassed and just whiff at a bunch of punches and Floyd's not going to be anywhere near him. Or he can catch him. I mean, it is possible that he can catch him, but it's not likely. Like, the odds are going to be huge in Floyd Mayweather's favor. If I had to guess, it's going to be like 20 to 1 or something crazy like that. Huh. I'm not an odds maker. But but I do know movement and I know boxing and I just just there's a big difference between what a guy like Floyd Mayweather can do and a guy like Connor can do when it comes to the the actual boxing skills. But there's also there's another factor too that Connor um, has been fighting with small gloves and he's going to be fighting with larger gloves. What size gloves do they agree on for the fight? If Floyd's smart, he's going to make him fight with ten ounce gloves, you know, because probably Connor will want to wear eight. I don't know what, what weight class they have the cutoff in. Like lighter weight classes, they use 8-ounce gloves, and heavier, they use 10-ounce gloves. You know, that's, that's like that was a stipulation in the Marvin Hagler-Sugar Ray Leonard fight. Sugar Ray Leonard wanted the bigger gloves, wanted heavier gloves because he's fighting a big, heavy puncher like Hagler. So they might make some sort of a decision to, to go with larger gloves. But Floyd's a fucking 49-0 and 0 multiple division world boxing champion and Connor has never had a professional boxing fight. That's really what it is. It's interesting. I mean, I want to see it. Don't make me no mistake about it. When the fucking first bell rings, I'll have my popcorn ready, bro. <laughs> well, you'll probably be right there. Huh? I don't think so. No, I think I'll be home. Huh. Yeah, I think I'll be watching that from home. I think that's uh, whoever does commentary on that is going to be probably boxing people. It's like if you had Max Kellerman and Jim Lampley doing um, commentary on Floyd Mayweather fighting Conor McGregor in an MMA fight, I think that would be an embarrassment. That would right. be ridiculous. Just as ridiculous as it would be for me to do commentary on Conor fighting Floyd in a boxing match. Unless they wanted to have a combination of an MMA judge and a, or an MMA uh, commentator and a boxing commentator. Maybe. Perhaps. I would do it with Max Kellerman. I'm a big fan of that guy. I like that guy a lot. I think that would be kind of interesting. But most likely I'll be at home watching it. You know, I'd like to see it live. Maybe I might maybe sit ringside. Maybe kind of interesting to see that. It's going to be a crazy, interesting experience to see what Connor can do. And I know he's been working like almost exclusively on his boxing for months and months and months in preparation for this. Here's the thing: that motherfucker can put you into orbit with one punch. That's a fact. You know, like if you look at this past weekend, it's a perfect example when I said um, about Eddie Alvarez and Dustin Poirier having this crazy war. Connor murked both of those guys with one punch. With I mean, with Eddie, he softened him up with a few punches before he murked him, but he, he had him on Queer Street with one punch. 
and he murked Dustin Poirier with one punch. I mean, he's just he hits fucking hard. This is this guy Farasa Hobby, he's a very famous MMA coach, and he said it best. He said Connor has the touch of death, like he just blah, he just fucking <laughs> he just blaps dudes and zaps them <clears throat> with ridiculous speed and accuracy. And when he does, you're fucksville. The question is whether or not he's going to be able to do that to Floyd motherfucking Mayweather. And most likely, Floyd's going to be nowhere near him when those punches come flying. I mean, he's a wizard. You ever watch, like, Floyd Mayweather defensive highlight reel? Well, it's just him kind of running backwards. No, him just moving away from punches, right. bending at the hips. He's not a runner. See, Floyd, people think that Floyd's a runner. Floyd doesn't run. He's not, like, running away from guys. He stands right in front of dudes. He stands right in front of dudes and maybe backs up slightly or moves to the side. But he's just so knowledgeable when it comes to boxing. And he has such a deep understanding of where to be at the right time and where the punches can come from. The left comes from here. That means the right's coming this way, and he's nowhere near that. He's over here, and that means after the right. Look, at, like, what can you stand in front of him? You, when you, you watch him, the way he's able to, like, slide out of the way of shit, I mean, dudes just don't fucking hit him very often. He's been hit least or less than any world champion that's had 49 fights. I would say that he probably has the most successful defensive career in the history of boxing. He's, I mean, he's literally been tagged hard maybe five, six times in his entire career. And he stands in front of some of the best fighters in the world, like Canelo Alvarez. I mean, Canelo was younger then. It was a few years ago, and Canelo wasn't as good as he is now. But he just stands right in front of guys and pops them in the face and just understands how to move. Like, that kind of shit. Like, when you're watching this highlight reel, like you're watching a master. Like, young fighters, they should, they should watch his defensive movements and abilities, I think, almost above all others. Except now this new guy, Vasily Lomachenko, who I think is, rivals anybody that's ever lived. In terms of his movement, his ability to move and his, his positioning and footwork, I think he's as good as it's ever been. But, you know, he has only got like nine professional fights or something like that. He does, just hasn't really... Look, look at this. Oscar De La Hoya standing right in front of him and he can't fucking hit him. He's throwing all these punches. Look at that. Juan Manuel Marquez, he pops him and just, whoop, slides right out of the way. Sorry, not here. <laughs> and unbelievable work ethic. Like, Floyd Mayweather will go to a club, go to a nightclub in Vegas, hang out, drink water, hang out with everybody, get all the accolades. Ladies and gentlemen, Floyd Mother Mayweather's in the house! Light, light everybody goes crazy, bills. lights some $100 bills. <laughs> then you know what he does? People will drive his Rolls Royce and he'll run. He'll run the Vegas Strip, he'll run miles, and then go to the gym 3 o'clock in the morning and do fucking 15 rounds in the heavy bag. He's an animal. I mean, his, his work ethic and his mind and his determination and focus... And I guarantee you, man, if he's getting ready for, for Floyd Mayweather, he's getting ready for um, Conor McGregor, he's going to be in tip-top shape again, man. He's, not, he's never going to like come in slipping. Huh. It's going to be fun. But why has he got to be so... Such a dick? Yeah. Because that's how he made all that money. It's because what we were talking about before, like what it... Like, the show business. Is the show business aspect of it is having people... Like he used to be pretty boy Floyd Mayweather. That's what they used to call him. But he wasn't really making any money. You know, he became rich when he became Floyd Money Mayweather, when he started talking all this shit, and then people wanted him to get his ass kicked, and he wasn't getting his ass kicked. Like, people are paying to see him not necessarily because they like him. They're right. paying to see him because they want to see him get fucked up because he's a huge star. 
and he became a huge star by fucking with people, talking a lot of shit, talking about how great he is, showing all of his watches and all of his jewelry, and all. he's got this crazy house in Vegas, and, you know, I mean, it's, the, it's really the controversy, like domestic violence. Dude went to jail for beating up girls. You know, like, there's a lot of controversy involved in him, and that's one of the reasons why people wanted to see him fight. They wanted to see him lose. Uh-huh. And me. <laughs> He didn't lose. He went all the way to the bank. I mean, he tied Rocky Marciano's record for having the most successful fights ever. 49-0 and 0 as a champion. That's unheard of. Unheard of. And Rocky Marciano's record is a little bullshit because Rocky Marciano, Italians right now are going crazy. What the fuck are you saying? Rocky's the best. <laughs> it's pretty much agreed that Rocky Marciano fought his brother in at least one fight early in his career. So it was like a fake fight. So pull that up. See if you've if that's been if that's been validated. I'm pretty sure I've read that that Rocky Marciano had like a fixed fight with his brother. Like back in the day, you know, like a guy like Rocky Marciano was a murderous puncher. It's probably like he would show up for a fight and people didn't want to fight him. And like the people that paid to see him, like what are we gonna do? Like yeah, my brother will get in there. So his brother gets in there and goes down to a body shot or something. I don't know. I don't know how it played out, but. <laughs> We're lucky we're not in that business, dude. You think you have brain damage? Right. Uh, you know, from Tim Kennedy dropping you on your head? How about just getting right. thudded in the head by some of the best fighters in the world? Yeah, I think I'm in pretty good shape with all that. You seem fine. Yeah, thanks, man. Look, Anthony Rumble Johnson, who's one of the best fighters in the world, just retired, and he did an interview recently. And uh, today the interview came out where he said brain damage is a big concern. And he's a guy who gives everybody brain damage. Have you ever seen Rumble fight? Mm -hmm. The most terrifying knockout artist in MMA, in my opinion. And he retired because he's worried about someone doing that to him. He's like, I don't, I don't want brain damage. <clears throat> he's like, I want, I want other things in my life. It's also interesting because he's one of the best fighters in the world. And he said, I'm not really a fighter. He goes, I'm an athlete who's really good at fighting, uh -huh. which I thought was fascinating. Because it shows so much awareness. It shows what a smart guy he is. That he's really kind of aware of who he is. Fuck yeah, dude. So Anaheim, you're there. I'm so psyched. It's a good one too. I hope nobody fucks up before the fight. <clears throat> they right. almost got in a brawl this past weekend. You should check out that show, the the, the hurt business. The hurt business. This past weekend, Daniel Cormier hit John Jones in the face with a water bottle at a press right, conference. I saw that on TMZ. And John tried to chuck one at him, and they almost brawled. And What's people up got with the water bottles at the press conferences. Well, they now they drain the Monster Energy cans. <laughs> so when you see those Monster Energy drinks that are sitting there on the, uh -huh. the dais, those are fake. They're real Monster Energy drinks, but right. they have to drink them all or empty them out before they get up there. <laughs> right. <laughs> Dude, it's so exciting. Oh, it's so exciting. And, and just the, the this John Jones, that was so interesting, that, that uh, press conference where John Jones is talking all positive, like, no, I want to show that you can get back on your feet and, mm -hmm. you know, and this and then Cormier says, wait, hold on a second. You just backstage, you told me I'm the biggest pussy you ever saw. Yeah. And then they... Yeah, that was fascinating the way that played out. Well, John is starting to come clean now, starting to be more of himself. And this past weekend, they had a press conference, and he said that he was yeah. fucking doing cocaine all yeah. weekend long before he beat him. Well, Daniel Cormier said Daniel was talking all this shit. Well, is this fight even going to happen? Who knows? If John gets caught doing cocaine or sandblasting a prostitute, <laughs> what is sandblasting a prostitute? I don't know, but it's hilarious. <laughs> it's a hilarious term. <laughs> Daniel's funny, man. I did commentary with him this past right. weekend. He's a I saw funny, that too. He's a funny fucking dude, man. He's I funny. saw that on your IG story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. And so, anyway, 
when John said that, I beat you after I did cocaine for a weekend. Everybody was like, oh, shit. Right. It's like, I like that John is being himself. That's, 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 that'll serve him better than uh-huh. all this fake Right, it's fake, shit. like, uh, I'm just a good guy and I want to yeah. be uplifting. Yeah. Well, he does want to be uplifting, too. But when right. it comes to, like, actual fighting, he's a fucking straight-up killer. John uh-huh. Jones is a killer. That's, I mean, you don't get to be the youngest ever UFC champion if you're not a killer. He got, mm. he showed up. He fought Mauricio Shogun Hua in his UFC title fight, who is like a, a legend in Brazil. His opening move was a flying knee. <laughs> he threw a flying knee on Mauricio Shogun Hua. That is just crazy. <laughs> I mean, you have to be such a gangster to even think about doing that to a guy like, you're not feel, feeling him out. He just leaped in and threw a fucking flying knee at Shogun's face and caught him. And beat his ass and stopped him when he was like 22. Won the world title. It was, it was bananas. You know, John was something special and still is. But it's going to, you know, it's going to be a raw, a long, tough fight with him and Cormier this time, I think. It's going to be fun. I can't wait, dude. You're going to be there. I can't wait. Yeah, I just hope the card doesn't fall apart. You know, cards fall apart. It's so hard to get through a camp without getting injured. Mm-hmm. Like, we're in danger of losing TJ Dillashaw versus uh, Cody Garbrandt for uh, the Bantamweight title. Cody, Cody Garbrandt. Cody Garbrandt right now is in Germany, getting uh, some shit done to his back. He's oh, uh, yeah. yeah, he's getting regenekine done on his back to deal with a, a bulging disc that's been bothering him. After that him. last fight, where like um, I followed him on Twitter, Cody, mm-hmm. and then he followed me back. Oh, like, that's yeah. cool. That's dope. Such a strikingly handsome guy. He's very handsome. <laughs> Beautiful man. <laughs> Bad motherfucker, too. Yeah. Bad Fuck, motherfucker. that was a great... That was the best fight of that night. Dominic Cruz? Him and Dominic Cruz? Uh-huh. Yeah. Well, not only that, but I mean, he's fighting a guy who was consensus top two or three pound-for-pound fighter in the world in Dominic uh-huh. Cruz, and he still lit him up. Yeah, that's a big fight. And and the bravado. The, mm-hmm. Yeah, oh, yeah. fun to watch. Oh, yeah, he was breakdancing and shit, <laughs> improvising after he dr- n- dropped him and knocked him down. He was, like, posing. Right. Yeah. He could have finished him, but he was well, too I don't busy know about dancing. That. I don't know about that. I mean, if he thought he could have finished him, he would have tried to finish him. He realized that Dom was hurt and stunned. He wanted to humiliate him. He wanted to fuck with his head because Dom, Dominic Cruz's whole game, a big part of it was getting inside your head. Be fucked with the wrong guy because Cody grew up getting fucked with. So, like, you, you start fucking with him. He's like, oh, I'm home here. Like, I like fucking with people. Come on, fuck with me. I'll fuck with you. Like, if you want to be, like, reasonable and respectful, he'll be respectful. Cody will be respectful. But if you want to talk shit to him... Oh, he's a black belt in talking shit. So it's like Dominic Cruz just kind of bit off more than he could chew when it came to the shit talking and li- really fired Cody up. So when Cody dropped him and then started posing him, like then Dominic has to kind of get it back and he couldn't get it back. So he got kind of a little bit out of his, uh, you know, his comfort level. So it's, it's a fascinating aspect of fighting, the, the trash talking and the mental warfare. Yeah. You know, there's a lot to it. Don't, don't ever do that, dude. Don't ever let anybody talk you into doing that. I know Johnny Knoxville, he uh, did that boxing match with, with Butterbean. Butter oh, mm-hmm. That was so hard to watch. <clears throat> yeah, it was terrible. How bad was he fucked up after that fight? Uh, that's not the worst for Knoxville. <laughs> <laughs> what is he doing these days? Right now he's filming a movie in South Africa based on a true story about an amusement park in New Jersey called Action Park, which was notoriously the most dangerous... Uh, amusement park, like lots of people died on their rides. There was certain, everybody that worked there was intoxicated and <laughs> fucked up while they were working, and they called it Class Action Park. And, 
Like, uh, and so he's making a comedy movie about the guy who who ran that park, and it's set in New Jersey, but they're filming it in South Africa. Cause they're filming so, a lot of shit in South Africa. It's so cheap to film in South Africa. So they're building a whole fucking thing. Russell Peters just got back from South Africa. He was filming a, a new show for Netflix called The Indian Detective, mm-hmm. and he's filming it in South Africa, I think, for the same reasons. They just film a lot of stuff in South Africa now because of that? It's so cheap there. Really? Yeah. I remember being there. Night, um, we were, when we went out there for Wild Boys. Is it dangerous? Uh, Johannesburg is the carjacking capital of the world. Whoa. Which we thought was hilarious. We were jacking off in cars the whole time. <laughs> carjacking capital of the world. I thought it was Camden, them, New Jersey. <laughs> Wasn't there like a, sh- a movie on that? Like Drive? Wasn't there a movie about carjacking in Camden? I feel like... Camden, New Jersey. But they, what do they say? Uh, Cape Town is a first world city and a third world country, I think is how they just... Oh, that makes sense. So... Uh, and Johannesburg is more... Johannesburg, I think, is a little gnarlier. Mm. It's more kind of Lebanon kind of deal. Oh, yeah? I mean, I don't know. That was the impression I got. It was, a, it was creepier. I want to go to Africa, but I'm scared of malaria. <laughs> so funny. I used to uh, dump out my malaria pills and fill up the bottle with Xanax. <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah. You weren't worried about malaria? No. Nah, cool. Because the malaria pills give you like terrible nightmares or yeah, I heard you, know. you get crazy hallucinations. Yeah, like I, I didn't like the experience of malaria pills. So what did it do for you? Gave you nightmares? Yeah, it gave me fucked up nightmares. If I if I remember right, I, I didn't. And I was like, oh well, I can bring tons of pills and just put them in the wrong bottle and if you get malaria then what oh i don't know <laughs> that's that another thing man that that uh when i was a kid at the american school in london like in eighth grade we went on a field trip to egypt and um they told us they sort of said don't fucking drink the water don't like uh even if you order a soda don't let them give you ice cubes to pour because you'll get so sick from the water and uh, we took it seriously, but then um, we were eating outside this restaurant on uh, on the River Nile. Here's this Egyptian dude and fucking watched him dunk a toothbrush in the River Nile. He's sitting there brushing his teeth. And I was thinking, well, if the fucking tap water is so bad, then what's the River Nile? It's got to be right. insane. But I remember, it, uh, and I was 13, and I thought, well, fuck, if that guy came, if that guy went to America, if that guy went to England, the toothbrush dude, he'd probably get sick drinking the water where I live, no. you know? I mean, I don't know. It's like whatever you're exposed to. This yeah. guy's built up his immune system. He can do that. Right. And I remember thinking, so probably the the best thing you could do would be to travel the whole world and drink fucking tap water like crazy everywhere you go. That'd be the way to build up your immune system. And and then ultimately that's what, it, what we did. Wild Boys, we went to fucking every goddamn continent except Antarctica. And I drank, the first thing I did, I put it from the airport, I'd check in the hotel room, and I would put down my bag, and I'd fucking brush my teeth. You know, you brush your teeth, and you rinse it out, and then you'd think, and I'd, and I'd be like, put my head under the tap, and just gulp, 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 and drink a ton of tap water. I did that all over, all over Africa, fucking Asia, South America, everywhere. I fucking drank tap water like did a you get motherfucker. Sick? Um, I had a little bit of diarrhea in Kenya. 
<laughs> but but I don't think <laughs> I don't think that that was uh, that big of a deal. And I think that that uh, that, that my theory was was uh, sound. I think I, think, <laughs> I, think I, I like made... how you experiment on yourself. Yeah, it's not like you brought somebody with you. Mike, drink the water. <laughs> right, no, dude. Like that's yeah. my whole. Yeah, that's why I don't understand germaphobes and shit like that. Oh, that's you know? crazy. Like uh, yeah. you live in an incubator. That's how you get sick. You know, you want to. Like, uh, right. I don't get nervous about shaking people's hands or any no. shit like that. Fuck that. That's keeping your immune system on its toes. Yeah, no, I, I, over the course of a weekend, I'll shake hundreds of people's hands. Sure. You know, at a comedy show, especially right. if I have a meet and greet after the mm -hmm. show, which uh, I didn't do in Dallas this past weekend. But uh, the, for people that are asking, I can't. The size of that crowd is fucking unbelievable. 6,000 people. I can't that do was, it. Congratulations, Thanks, Joe. man. That was fucking cool. Thank you. It was fun. It was a fucking that was, awesome. That was, crowd. That was, that was, I just Good saw. Time. I saw this morning on your, your uh, tour. God, I'm jealous of your tour schedule to go like three days and then I'm home. For That's how I do it. I right. can't do it. Any, I have kids. You know, right. I, don't, I don't want to do it any other way. Your I do Bert two Kreischer. days out, come back. <laughs> what? Bert, Bert Kreischer's schedule? Oh, he's crazy. He's fucking hilarious. Well, Bert Kreischer would go and do things on the road for months at a time. You know, well, yeah. I mean, for his not television much, for like the, the entire fucking year. Yeah. The guy's never home. Well, for his television show, it was real bad. But he's not doing that television show anymore, which I think right. is great because it allows him to concentrate on his stand-up, which is right. another thing that's like that was kind of his honeypot was the his travel channel right. show, whereas mm -hmm. it was kind of taken away from his stand-up. But now his stand-up is blowing up because he's really focusing on it. He's doing it a lot, touring a lot, and now right. people are getting a chance. And it's, it's tighter, too. Like, you see him on stage, it's fucking super tight because he's performing a lot right. whereas he would go a long time without performing because he'd be you know doing all this crazy shit on the road right it's which so, he enjoyed you know it's so I, mean, I love him too like i did his podcast and we had, we had a blast and and he really encouraged me he's like uh oh man go to the store go to the store and i've been going to the store a lot and 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 i like he, he encouraged me to do that that's awesome i just think it's funny how you say that uh his stand-up suffered because of the Travel Channel show, but now he's on the road like every day out of the year. Mm. <laughs> it's like, where does his family fit in? You know, you well, say he's you not really. I mean, he's home during the weekdays a lot. It's weekends. Well, yeah, but he's on the comedy club grind, so that means you... But that's at night. That, that the way mean... it works with me, my kids are asleep by the time I leave the house. Because right. my sets at the comedy store are always like 10, 15. I put uh -huh. my, my kids to bed at 8, and then I'll go over my right. material real quick and head out the door. And then, you know, it's like I have another life. You know, I have the mm -hmm. nighttime life. Right. It's it's doable. It's doable, but the travel's a fucking grind, man. It's, it's just, so gnarly. It's dude. so bad for your I'm body. Not, I'm not touring as much as I as I did the last few. Now I'm like week on week off. You know. Yeah. Week on week off. Week on week off is a way to do it. Two weekends out of the month is is enough. It's more than yeah. enough. Because like if I come home like yesterday, I was wrecked when I come home. Just just for the weekend of traveling and then the flight. And it's not a fucking long flight. Dallas is only like two and a half hours or something. It's nothing. Yeah. But you get home and you're like, ugh. You it's so dragging. But right. what you got to do is work out. That's the key. Mm -hmm. When you get home from something like that, go on a hike, do something to get your metabolism pumped up, and then you'll mm -hmm. feel normal. But it's the only way to feel normal. If you feel jet lagged, a lot of people just like to lay around and do nothing. Right. You can't do that. You gotta you gotta kickstart your body. You just gotta blow out all the carbon. Boom, boom, boom. Yeah, can meditate too. Man. That'll help too. That'll help too. Don't get worry about people fucking with you, Steve. -O. I know, dude. Thanks for setting me straight like that. 
No problem, now, man. Now I feel... I, I find myself and say, why the fuck did I talk about hookers so much? <laughs> <laughs> you didn't. I know. what I mean, whatever. The, the hooker stories were so fucking ancient. I don't even care. It's just that I have a girlfriend now, and you know, I'm really... She's just a wonderful, wonderful person, and I'd hate for... I'd hate her to feel her to, bad. I'd hate for her to be negatively negatively impacted. I'm not saying anything. Who cares? I'll go right. and tell her, hey, I told some old hooker stories. Right. You know, like, who cares? You're but, just uh, sensitive. But then, um, yeah. It's I want, the same like, reason I why really you like want, to snuggle. You're a good guy. I really want to be good to my girl, you know? And I, and I really, I really uh, care about being good to my girl. So, so that's kind of in my head. And then... Um, and I'm like, why the fuck? Did, you know, I'm like, oh, I don't want to lynch Al Madrigal, but then kind of fucking, you know, I mean, I told the story objectively, like, uh, of what happened. And, and I do, like, want to just, I just want to say, don't fucking be a dick to Al Madrigal. He's you know, a good guy. He just, he gets Madrigal. in his own way with that stuff. You know? He gets in his own way, but God, he's a fucking talented guy. Watch he his is. special. He's fucking, a great guy. Give him, give him love. And, uh, Al and I have been friends since he first started doing stand-up. I worked with right. him in, in the late 90s at Cobbs in San Francisco. Right. If anybody's listening and they're like, you know, maybe just throw, throw Al a tweet and say, hey, fucking Steve-O fucking... Sends his love. Sends his love. I really do. Yeah. I genuinely fucking Good do. Good for you, dude. Yeah. Good for you. Fucking A. Uh, where can people see you? They want to go see you. Shit, my next gig is uh, in Salt Lake City, Wise Guys. Oh, that's a great club. I wonder if, yeah, dude, it's going to be my sixth time there. I, I love it. If, if, if I'm in the one of the, the Green Valley, is it called? or I don't know which one. I'm, I might I'm be in one of them, to, too. I don't know which one I'm at either. Which I'm there in July. Salt Lake City, I love that fucking... Deal. Salt Lake City's a great fucking place. People have it all goofy <laughs> in their Lake head. Salt Lake City. <laughs> Salt Lake City. Well, they, they, have it, they have it in their head that Salt Lake City is like uh, stuck-up Mormons. But the people that come out to the comedy clubs are the people that are tired of the Mormons. Sure. They're fun. Or the sure. people that are Mormons that could take a joke. I've done so I've done so phenomenally well there. I mean, I, I really think I've been there five times, and I yeah. think I'm going back for my sixth time. Joey Diaz was the first person to tell me. He's like, Joe Rogan, you got to get down that fucking Salt Lake City. Yeah. Because those motherfuckers are starving. They're starving for comedy. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, yeah no, it's awesome. I love it. And, and what, what the fuck else? Uh, after that, I'm not even... I, I can't. My, my, everything's at steveo.com. Steveo.com. Yeah. All right. I'm excited. I'm filming a, a cameo for this uh, movie on Netflix called Game Over, man. What is it? I don't know, but uh, I think Seth Rogen producing it. Oh, cool. It's a Netflix original movie. Isn't it interesting that Netflix is doing all these original movies now, too? Like, you keep seeing all these original, original movies. Where the fuck are they coming up? I was talking to Bill Burr about how they're giving away so much millions of, of, uh, of dollars to comedians for... It's great. So Bill Burr was, 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 was cracking up. He's like, what a good time to get into comedy. <laughs> yeah, it is. It's a very good right. time. Right, yeah. All right. I'm well, thanks, brother. Hey, thank thanks you, for man. another fun podcast. Great I, time. I, I appreciate you greatly. I, I appreciate you too, brother. Well, fucking thank you, dude. All right. We'll be back tomorrow with Graham Hancock, Michael Shermer, and Randall Carlson. It's the big epic debate about uh, asteroidal impacts and the end of the ice age and all that crazy shit. Should be a lot of fun. That's tomorrow, 1.30 p.m. Pacific. See ya! Yeah, dude.